BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to a very retrospective episode of Hysteria 51. Oh, what a ride it's been so far. Our our next official episode is episode 300. It's crazy to think that we've done this that long. Uh, and plus, with all the bonus episodes we have, we're well above that. But we have some special guests and blasts from the past lined up for that, and it's going to be a lot of fun. That's coming up, but that is ahead of us. This week, I wanted to take a look back, and not at a previous episode of Hysteria 51. Oh, no. A look back at the first time John Goforth and I ever recorded together. This was actually a test recording we did into a phone, just a phone mic, just to see if we could keep banter going and if we could even enjoy doing a show. And also I want to point out there, notice I said it's recorded into a phone. So the quality subpar, it's unedited because, hey, why not laugh at how bad it is? You can hear every time we bang on the table and things like that. We had no idea what we were doing. At this point, all we knew is we wanted to do a show had no idea what the format was going to be, the structure, anything. And I think we called this just visiting because we were just visiting the idea of a podcast. So I don't know. I think we thought we were clever there. Anyway, without further ado, after this short commercial break, it's the only one this week too. We're going to hit you with our first time ever recording together. And this actually took place months before Hysteria 51 was even conceived. I'm going to warn you, it's long, it rambles, it's cringy at times, but hey, we enjoyed it enough to keep going, and here we are all these years later. I hope you enjoy how bad we were, and don't forget, David and I will be back next week, so we'll see you then. This is our new podcast, our yet untitled podcast. Hopefully, we'll be um, we'll be listening back to this in years and laughing at it, but in the interim, uh, we're just going to call it Untitled. How about that? Um, I am one of your hosts, John Goforth. I'm Brent Hand. And we are each week or whenever we feel like doing it, going to try to bring you our thoughts on life, on movies, on pop culture, on video games, on what we like and what we don't like. And, but most importantly, we're going to try to make you laugh. We, 
our idea for this for this show was born out of all of our friends and our family members and our wives listening to us bitch and laugh and joke with each other and people just kind of sit back and and listen whenever we're um, going back and forth and so we thought hell let's turn it into a show you're so funny you should be on the radio one of those or or, or no you have a face for radio yeah, that's uh that's what my dad always said yeah <laughs> And I'm not even adopted. <laughs> um, when we get our own YouTube channel and they say you have a face for radio, we'll say, fuck you. See? Yeah. See? See how? <laughs> well, I guess we wouldn't really be proving anything other than the fact that we actually are um, ugly sons of bitches. But that being said, let's get into it. We are, we're going to, this podcast isn't just going to be a ranting and raving, um, go off on tangents. While we will go off on tangents, we're going to have some structure to it, and we're going to have various segments. Um, the very first segment we're going to start with is our story of the week. Yeah. Um, before we get to that, Brent, let's tell them a little bit about us and how we know each other and where we come from. Yeah. Um, so Brent and I went to high school together and middle school together in a, a small hamlet outside of Springfield, Illinois, called Pleasant Plains. <laughs> the monster metropolis of 700 people. Right, and it was it's a weird high school. Uh, half the folks that went there lived out in the farm community. They were literally farmers, literally farmers. Uh, the other half lived on the west side of Springfield, or maybe the suburban side of Springfield. Uh, which, if you haven't been to Springfield, uh, sounds redundant. You would think the whole thing is a suburb, but it's uh, just your typical white picket fence type of community. So it was a really small school, 350 kids while we were there, uh, maybe 70 in my graduating class. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we got our fair, fair share of trouble while we were there. Um, but we were never really bad. We just talked back a lot. <laughs> um, probably where we, and we were also in theater. We were in theater arts and uh, did all the plays and musicals and all of that. Um, probably where we, uh, started our repartee back then. Yeah. Yeah. We were friends from, like you said, from uh, middle school on and we were friends all through high school. And then, uh, we actually both went to SIU Carbondale. Uh, I'm actually a year older than John. From what I remember. Right. I'm so we're told we went there. Uh, we were actually roommates for a couple years and, uh, no, one year. Yeah. One year. I would say that, no, we were roommates for one year. And the weirdest thing that happened in Carbondale while we were roommates is, you know, you know how they always say that women um, <laughs> who live in the same dorm or live in the same house, that their menstrual cycle aligns with each other? Well, I, I, <laughs> I'm not saying that Brent and I have a menstrual, menstrual cycle, but we did align. And what we aligned on was breakfast. Yeah, that is true. When When we would wake up. It didn't, it didn't fail what one or the other had been doing the night before. We would wake up at the exact same time every morning. Yeah, it was actually kind of weird, but yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with that story other than, um, it was kind of creepy. We got our periods together, I think is what you were saying. And we bled a lot. (laughs) Okay. So moving on, we've, we've, we're, we're both 35-ish. Are you 35? I'm 36. You're, okay. So, Ish was right. I'm 35 and have been friends ever since. And now we're going to regale you with the greatest podcast in the world. <laughs> that, that we can supply. This week. <laughs> All right. So, first, uh, we're going to start with story of the week. 
what happened to you? What, what interested you? How did your, tell me about a story yeah. in your week. So my week is a starting point for me. Uh, as sexy as my voice sounds to everyone, I'm a fat motherfucker. <laughs> so I decided that I'm going to start trying to lose weight. Now, my wife is, she swims, she does abs every night, she's active, and I watch her, you know, so I feel like I soak wait, up wait, a lot wait. of it. She does abs every night? Yeah. yeah. What's, his, what's his last name? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She, uh, she, she's been very cool with me being a, a sack of shit for a long time. So I decided I'm going <laughs> to get in shape. So two years ago, two years ago, she bought me DDP yoga. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, yeah. Diamond Dallas, Dallas Page. Bang! You know, that guy like uh, WW, well, WCW more than WWE. Yeah, yeah. So. The Diamond Cutter. The Diamond Cutter. Don't even think that isn't part of the workout. She she was like, I was like, hey, you know, this guy is putting out uh, DDP yoga, man yoga, or whatever they're talking about. And she used to do Pilates every week. She'd go to uh, her and her mom, who's also big into fitness. She's almost 70 years old, and she's like a rail skinny and, in, you know, in good shape, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, well, I want to do this DDP yoga. And two years ago... She bought me these DVDs. I mean, I think I've seen some of the videos on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. They got that guy who was like 300 pounds and couldn't walk. Vietnam and like, veteran. You're going to yeah. die in a week. And now he's right. like doing the splits. And, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I was one of those suckers that got sold on it. And I got sold on it so much that I put it on a dresser. And it sat there for two years. So, finally, I'm like, you know what? I need to do this. So, I did two things. I busted out my DDP yoga. Right. Started on Monday, literally this week, Monday. Uh, and I went and I got my old bicycle, aired up the tires, and I went to Dan's bike shop up the road from me and bought the fattest seat they have. It's like one of those. <laughs> it's like, it's called like the Ass Crusher 5000. I mean, it's this big fat gel seat, $70. $70. I don't think the bike costs 70 bucks. <laughs> Put it on there and I've been riding my bicycle. Where? Uh, just all around. So, you know, I live outside of Chicago. Right. Just through the neighborhoods. I think my in-laws. Well, tell everyone where you live. I, mean, I live in Berwyn, Illinois, which Berwyn. is uh, just one of the first west suburbs of Chicago. So, uh, just, you know, going around through there and, and doing that. And then I've been busting out my, my diamond cutters, my DDP yoga, which literally is one of one of them. I'm doing them as if everyone can watch us here. But uh, Soon enough. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's been my week. It's been uh, yoga. And uh, I ride my bike, and then I went swimming on Monday. So, needless to say, on yes, purpose, on or, purpose okay. I swam laps, which was kind of like you didn't just, just like get tossed into a pond. No, or... I didn't get beat up by the by the local kids. <laughs> Fatty, come here! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so <laughs> this week, yeah, this week they I told their parents so they don't come around anymore. But uh, yeah, so like I guess my whole idea is try to finally. Kick it in the ass because, you know, uh, I don't want to die at 40 of, like, congestive heart failure uh, unless I earn it. I don't, feel like, <laughs> I don't feel like I earned it quite yet. So No, so, that's that's great. So that's my week. That's it's, awesome. Yeah. Um, new starts, new changes. You know, new starts, new, new podcasts. All right. So, uh, you know, I'm going to launch into mine and... 
it, it actually has, is a similar, uh, similar topic. I, um, I too am a tad overweight and I decided to start doing something about it a couple, uh, weeks, months ago, whatever it was. And stepped I, up your masturbation. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. Um, no, seriously, they, I, I decided to do two things to start working out a lot more. Uh, so I'm, I've, I've always been a boxer. Um, when I say always last five years, I've been boxing, uh, but I'm doing it more, uh, more frequently, uh, and higher intensity. And then I also just, uh, the days that I don't box, I just work out. But the, the, the other thing I do is I'm, I've switched, uh, to a paleo diet and say what you will about it. Everyone listening would have a different opinion on whether it's a good idea, a bad idea, whether it's quackery, whether it isn't. The only thing I can tell you is that it works for me. I've lost some weight so far and, and, and it's working and I love to cook. So when I, when I'm at home, it's no problem. I cook everything exactly the way it should be cooked. If you, if you're not familiar with the paleo diet, it's basically an idea that you only eat like people in the paleolithic era ate. To me, that sounds like twigs and berries and sticks. Like when you say it, because I have no idea what. Sure. Sure. You know, um, I, I haven't eaten any twigs yet, um, or sticks. Um, knowingly, but what I have done is it's mostly meat, mostly vegetables. Um, the fat content of the meat is kind of inconsequential mm. because of the way the vegetables and, and, and everything interact with your body. Um, this isn't a science podcast. Um, but what, <clears throat> there, there are some certain stipulations, of course, you know, no processed foods and, you know, um, very light on the carbs, a few other things. But one of the big things is you can't have sugar. That's hard. And I didn't realize how prevalent sugar is everywhere in yeah. everything. Things that are bitter have sugar in them. I mean, it, it, the anything that's processed seems to have some type of sugar in it. Every seasoning you can think of seems to have sugar in it. So when I go out to eat, I have to ask these things. You know, is there sugar in this? Or, uh, you know, every salad dressing does. So if yeah. I'm getting a salad, can I have oil and vinegar? Oh, another big thing is no dairy. So, you know, not no, at all. No, yeah. not at all. Um, so I can't, you know, most salad dressings have either dairy or sugar or, you know, just something I can't have. So oftentimes I'll, <laughs> I'll say, can I have oil and vinegar? So the point, and, you know, stop me if I'm wrong here. It sounds to me like the point of this diet is to make you so depressed and hate food so much that you just, you know, lose weight due to like a severe depression. Is that what's going on? Like it, it robs you of joy and then that makes you lose weight. Is that how this works? Well, or- uh, I, I, <laughs> let me tell you the good parts. <laughs> I have I bacon four bags of pork rinds today. <laughs> I have bacon and eggs for breakfast. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. And then whatever my oh, lunch, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And whatever my lunch is, it's it's cooked in bacon grease, probably. Uh, uh, yeah. it, and no, I know everybody's thinking, hey, you you would you would clog your arteries that way. But oddly enough, mine is too. <laughs> <laughs> Just for fun, as a top. Yeah. Um, the, in exchange for not having a lot of these things, you don't have to worry about fat and calories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm able to eat enough and, and feel satisfied. There, there's you know I. And if you know how to cook a little bit, you can make vegetables taste really good mm. with some decent spices. Absolutely. And, um, and, you know, butter or not, uh, actually, you're not supposed to. There's different paleo people go back and forth on butter, whether yeah. you're allowed to have it or not, mm-hmm. because full fat butter actually doesn't have a ton of dairy in it. Mm-hmm. It's mostly fat. Yeah. Um, to be safe, I haven't been using butter. I've been using ghee. 
G-H-E-E, hmm. which is clarified butter. So if you go to a steakhouse and they give you, uh, you know, crab legs and they say, here's clarified butter. It's, it's the same thing as ghee. Okay. Uh, ghee comes to us from, um, let's say the land down under, uh, India, which is not in fact the land down under. No, not so much. But it's, it's not far. It's Asia. <laughs> <laughs> Next, you know, Australia, it's probably the closest continent to Australia. Yeah, I guess that's, I think that's probably Antarctica, but yeah. Uh, well, you I don't know. know. <laughs> Geography majors, write in. Um, we don't have an email address for the show yet because we don't have a name yet. And I yeah, told him to exactly, write in. So exactly. if you're listening to this a year from now, we actually are mega successful stars and you're listening and laughing at the first one we did, write in now. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, my point was that I, I use ghee. But it, my, the, what I'm trying to get to, my story of the week, after now that I've given you all a dissertation on paleo dieting, is when I go to restaurants, I have to ask questions that turn me into that guy. Yeah. And so I try to keep it really brief and really direct and really simple. I dissect the menu as best I can on my own, but then there are things that I can't know the answer to. Does this, uh, we were at a seafood place tonight, actually. Yeah. You know, does this Cajun spice have sugar in it? Some do, some don't. The place tonight didn't. Glad I asked. Couldn't have had it if it had. Which was odd because the guy was like, well, we have two locations and here we don't put sugar in, but the other one we do. So keep that in mind. Keep but hey, you went, yes. And we've only been like eating together since you've been on this diet twice. Right. And both times when you ask th- those questions, they kind of look at you like, what? Yeah. You know, like, like. Cause they're thinking you're allergic and they've never heard anybody allergic which to Which is sugar. what he said. Like, are you allergic to sugar? Right. No, dick. <laughs> I just want to know if it's in there. <laughs> I suppose my waistline is, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. when I eat it, I swell up. Yeah, I swell- <laughs> it just happens. Ooh, it's ooh. kept happening for thirty-five years. Yeah. Um, but to the the thing that I've noticed the most, I don't get I don't get feedback on you know the sugar thing that much. They don't give me a lot of static. Well. But what they give me static for is ordering a salad with oil and vinegar. Now, some restaurants just have little oil and vinegar setups, those yep. little bottles that haven't been cleaned since yep. 1992. Yep. Um, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, they don't they don't understand the concept of what you're asking for. Yeah. Well, no, we don't have that. Wait a second. You're a, rest, you're a full-service restaurant that makes half your shit from scratch, yeah. and you don't have <laughs> oil and vinegar. Yeah. Two staples that every Yahoo from college age up has in their fucking apartment, <laughs> and you as a major restaurant do yeah. not have it. Yeah. You're, I, I don't believe you. And then what are you going to be that guy that says, no, you're lying to me. Go get your manager. No, I can't. <laughs> okay, you have hot sauce, so I guess I'll put it on my salad. Yeah, sure. And I it, literally I did that at a Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, well, there's your first problem is you went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Hey. Well, okay. Hey, hey, wait, wait. First use of the word hack in the show. Paleo hack. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings fries their, um, their chicken wings in beef tallow rather than like peanut oil. Mm. And on paleo, there's less. Beef is one of the better tallows. <laughs> in the pantheon of tallows, yeah. it's one of my favorites. <laughs> so uh, if you don't know what tallow means, it's just uh, fat essentially. Um, if, you're on paleo. There's so many oils that you can't have, so you have to be careful if you're going to get something deep fried. Yeah, uh, you shouldn't probably do that anyway. But if you you know you're somewhere and you're kind of out of options, mm-hmm. um, you can't have like peanut oil or canola oil, things like that. But any any kind of animal fat you can. So if you are a paleo person, 
Buffalo Wild Wings is actually a decent place to go. So you're you're t- stocking a tub of lard at home, right. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a whole tub. <laughs> Crisco. <laughs> but but I guess that's shortening. Anyway, my point is that they've got they've got wings I can eat. Yeah. They've got amazing different flavors, and I know the ingredients of every sauce, but they can't bring me fucking oil and vinegar. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I don't appreciate that. <laughs> That's my story of the week, uh, yeah. I, but I'm, I'm going to I, I'm, I'm going to end on this because it, it, it's unrelated, but it also happened this week, and it it, it it is related actually to restaurants. It's happened twice this week actually. Today was the second time where I tell the I'm one of those guys that if we're going to get an appetizer, I order the appetizer and say give us a few minutes to review the menu. Yeah, I don't need a few minutes. I like food. I was probably on the website before we showed up to the restaurant, mm-hmm. but I need them to go put that order in. And get it going so that my appetizer doesn't show up after my meal. That's why I'm, it's called an appetizer, I believe. Right. To, to wet your appetite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, twice this week, I've gone ahead and, and, and trusted my faithful server. And I was a server. I was a bartender. I know you get busy. I get it. But it's not hard to put an order in and come back five minutes later yeah. and, and finish it up. And I've had two different times where my meal shows up before my appetizer. And then you're the asshole if you say, well, I don't want it now. Or mm-hmm. I, I kind of do want it, but I don't, want my, I don't want my food to get cold while I'm enjoying my appetizer. Um, and, and so I wind up just giving them dirty looks or, or, or just being, saying, making some snide comment because I am kind of a dick. But the, the point is that I didn't create this situation where I was meant to be, I, I, I plainly said we want this beforehand. We'll I was going to say tonight. You said we want to go ahead and put an appetizer in because I want to get it beforehand. And he said, "Oh, not a problem." And they take a little while, so I figured that meant, "Hey, I'm going to go put your order in." Right? Not like, "Hey, fuck you," you know, like too bad. Well, enjoy your meal, and you can have your dessert with your. But he didn't say. He didn't even say they take a little while when he took the order. That's right. He, he said. Yeah. He said when he came back and we already had our food and the appetizer wasn't there. He said, "Oh yeah, they take a little while." So, so tonight, tonight you're sending death threats to him is what you're getting at. <laughs> I already have <laughs> typing away on the keyboard while I'm doing the podcast. I hope you die. <laughs> All right. So a little later in the show, we're going to have our rant of the week. I guess I just accidentally gave mine here in uh, in the story of my week. But hey, let's let's move on. Um, to uh, to our next segment, we're going to talk about uh, things that interest us with our viewing eyes. We call it "What'd You Watch?" What'd you watch? All right. So, Brent, t- talk to me about what you watched this week. So, this week I binge watched something uh, brand new on Netflix ish, uh, Stranger Things. Oh, you asshole! That's mine. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I have other stuff. Go ahead. No, it's perfect. You know what? We'll we'll talk about it. So, we can even do it together. No, I, no, did you ahead. watch all of it? No, I haven't watched all of it. All right, so I but talk all you want, all you want, because I have other stuff to talk about. Eight episodes wasn't super long. Um, I like Netflix; they've been hitting it out of the park, as far as I'm concerned. With uh, Daredevil, you know, awesome. Uh, I was not a big um, Jessica Jones fan. Uh, they had the the ranch I liked. Uh, now this one wasn't. Wait, wait, wasn't the ranch just one episode? No, it was uh, a whole season. Oh, was it a season? Yeah, it was a whole season. I, maybe they just previewed one episode. We tried watching it, and when the it when, was when the laugh track came on, we turned it off. 
it was like your normal sitcom with a laugh track, but with cursing. Oh. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, it was yeah. more realistic. You know, and I'm a Sam Sam Elliott fan. You know, so he's in there. Anyway, Stranger Things. Winona Ryder yep. is still alive. It turns out, Winona Ryder, <laughs> and may or may not be still shoplifting somewhere, yeah, right? Yeah. Right as so we speak. She she wasn't bad in this. She kind of had a um, well, it's a period piece. So Stranger Things. I guess I should tell you what it is. So Stranger Things is set in 1983. Uh, it's it feels like it was not, but it feels like every Stephen King novel they've ever made into a movie. It focuses around four boys uh, playing the devil's game, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so bef- let me interrupt you there just to, to agree you know, yeah. with you on Stephen King. For the first episode and a half, I thought it was Stephen yeah, oh, King. Oh, absolutely. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, that was Needful Things. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, it just has that. Not like, that the stories are similar, but I haven't read Needful Things, so I didn't know what it was exactly. about. Exactly. And the, the names are similar. And you just expect them to be refer- referencing places in Maine. Right. Like, everywhere in this, you know, because... So, anyway. <laughs> these boys... Long the story off. short... Oh, spoiler. I hope... I hope, you know, if you haven't heard it, but I'm sure by the time you hear this, it, you know. So, these boys are playing a game, and then they get to go home, and one of them gets lost. And you find out through the course of the show that he's not lost. He was attacked by a monster, ah, you know, and, um, what was that sound again? Ah, Thank you. You're welcome. And, uh, about the time he di- it disappears, a girl shows up. She's in a, I guess you call it a hospital gown. Yeah, yeah. And she's got a shaved head. You don't even know it's a girl. It looks like a little boy. Well, we, we my wife, Stacy and I were watching it and for the first 10, 15 minutes, she was on, she had screen time. We're like, is that the abducted boy? Yeah. With like, shaved head? Because you don't know if time had went by right, or what right, had right. happened. Anyway, long story short is she's hiding out. The bad guys are the, in this show is the local nondescript government entity. I think it was, uh, Department of Energy in this one, but they didn't know. They kept calling them NSA or CIA or who do you work for? Blah, 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 blah. The men in black, the, the, the G men. Yeah. So what they were doing is they took children from birth and were trying to make them remote view as in like be able to be assassins to kill. Okay. I want to kill Vladimir Putin, but I want to kill him from here. So they've, you better be careful. He's listening. That right is now. true. Sorry, Vlad. <laughs> <laughs> We're still off for poker. Uh, so this little girl, like they've somehow, like her mother, you find out, they gave her drugs and experiments and they got her pregnant. They don't know what they use on her. She's a comatose, can't speak. Told her that she lost her baby in the third trimester, but actually they took her baby and taught it how to be a... Psychic killer. So what they're doing it's is... So it's similar to Punky Brewster. Is what exactly what we're getting at. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, smaller boobs. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Did you just make a... Soleil Moon Fry had giant knockers <laughs> later in life. Like it's just... It's the way it goes. Moving on. So they're teaching this girl to... Through um, sensory deprivation, they they cover her, they put her in a tank of water, and she's got a breathing mask on, and she can focus 
on a person. And she goes into, and when they do it, it's kind of a cool little cutaway. She's in a black room and she's standing in water. But it, really, she's she's underwater, and she goes to that person. Is she at Guantanamo? Yes. Okay. She's she can go to that person and kill them with her mind because she can like manipulate things. She can make things float. She can crack people's necks. Well, while she they're teaching her how to do this, she sees a monster, and she's scared, and you know leaves the tank. And they teach her. Well, we want you to go back and and make contact with this monster, and sh- she goes back in and she touches it. And you find out that what she's doing is she's going through another dimension, kind of like Nightcrawler from the X-Men. Yeah. You know, when he transports from one place to another, yeah, yeah. he's actually entering another dimension. Another dimension, and he's and popping go, back That's in. exactly what I took away as what she's doing. She's using a portal to go through another dimension. There's something in there, and she touched it. And when she touched it, it ripped a, a hole, I guess. So that's the whole show. So is- was, that, was that all pre-story? Because all I remember, and I'm only like, I don't know, three episodes in... Some big blobby looking thing on the wall inside so the, the, of the. That's the hole. That's so, the hole. Yeah. So they call it the upside down. And what it is, it's like. I've been to that bar. Yeah. <laughs> what it is, it's like the reverse of our dimension. So we're light and nice in there. It's like everything's dark and it looks the same. Wait, was that a weight joke? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's just one of those things where everything's evil. It, I don't know. I got excited. Buddy of mine texts me. He's like, hey, you got to watch this show. And I watched it and I binge watched it. And it was just really slow to me. Like, I enjoyed it. But by episode five, I was like, I want this to be over. You know? I, I, I said the same thing to Stacy when we were finishing up our first night of watching like three episodes. I said, I'll give it one more. Yeah. Um, she actually enjoyed it more than I did, uh, which was, I, which I didn't expect. I expect, you know, kind of sci-fi. She doesn't like sci-fi. Yeah. You know, weird shit going on. Mm-hmm. I completely expected her to be not on board and I would eat it up. And it was, it was kind of the opposite. Though I will say, I couldn't have been more excited when the opening credits rolled the first time. Because is, is there a cooler opening credit scene? With, yeah, uh, with if, the red, the, the words coming in. And yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the, the music. You know, it kind of reminded me of it. kind of reminded me of the, uh, the opening credits of that... Uh, Oh, the AMC show um, uh, uh, took place in the '80s, right around the, the birth of Silicon Valley. Um, um, halt! Um, halt and Catch Fire. Oh, Did you, no, oh you, you'd love it. You should check it out. Halt and Catch Fire is basically about this this guy and these two guys that start this computer company, mm-hmm. and they're kind of stealing computer plans from other people. I, I'm not going to get into it right now, yeah. but another one where the intro tried to make it feel like it was made in 1983. And we all know that the only true current day show, movie, whatever, that truly represents the 80s is Kung Fury. (laughs) Yes. But we'll say... Let me hack the internet. (laughs) Hack time. No, let me hack time. This is Triceratops. All right. We'll save Kung Fury for another day because, frankly, that could be a, an entire show in and of itself. We are, we are working on the religion. <laughs> Have you been ordained yet? No, not yet, but I still got three trials. Though I did see that they uh, he's already writing uh, and, and fully funded for um, a sequel. Well, I think you need to write that cocksucker because on the way to your house we just passed the Chicago Kung Fu Academy like, I didn't even know that was a thing 
And the fact that we don't go there and just hang out bothers me. <laughs> like, that should have been something that was your realtor when you moved here should have pointed it out like, oh, and by the way, there's a Kung Fu Academy. <laughs> it's like in it's like in Wayne's World or Wayne's World 2. This is when you move to the suburbs, you get a, 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 box, cop, of Tide. a box of Tide, a copy of Franklin Comes Alive. <laughs> When you move, when you move near the Kung Fu Academy, you get a you get an outfit. Yeah. <laughs> what, what outfit? A show enough outfit. Show said. enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the prettiest. No, I'm serious. Like that was just yeah, yeah. So anyway, long story short, Stranger Things. I don't want to give everything away. Uh, you know, it's one of those shows. I enjoyed it. I actually liked the last three episodes probably better than I liked the rest of the show. It picked up speed. It went somewhere with it. Of course, it ends with a, you think everything's done, but it's a kind of a cliffhanger, but blah, 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 blah. It's worth a watch. Well, I, I appreciate the, uh, the info, and we, we might, uh, maybe we'll go ahead and dive into the last Howard episodes. Better. Cause yeah. you say it got better. Uh, onto what I've been watching. I haven't watched a ton of TV this week. Um, we started, I, I said we started Stranger Things. Um, the last two weeks have kind of been dominated by me watching the RNC and the DNC. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Republican National Convention, the Democratic National Convention. Now, this isn't going to be a political show. Um, if we talk about somebody we don't like, we talk about something that we think is bullshit. It's not going to be based on the, on someone's politics. It's just going to be based on what they did. Um, so I'm not going to get into the politics of, of who I like and who I don't like. Um, I'm going to point out a few things though. Um, RNC. You're one of your key, you know, celebrity. I'm putting up air quotes right now. Speakers was Scott Bayo. Yeah. So I didn't even watch it, but that was all over the news. Or, well, Facebook. Or well, that's, that, else. that is news, was, right? Yeah, exactly, right. So Scott Bayo is the best that you could get to come in and talk about why it's great to be a Republican. I know that every day my father uh, used to say to me, he goes. Two things you need to know in life. One of them is what Chachi thinks is all that matters. <laughs> and I didn't really pay attention to the other one. <laughs> it was a fucking treasure map to the family forge. Yeah. Who now, Chachi? All right. <laughs> so, you know, I, and then you compare it to the DNC and they've got Alicia Keys. They've got Meryl Streep. They've, you know they, what they didn't have? What? The lead in the movie Zapped. From 1986, Scott Bea. Was that 86? I think it was. You never saw Zapped? No. It's a lot like Stranger Things. He can move shit with his mind. Oh. Yeah. I, I didn't. I saw Rad. Of course, that was that was, yeah. a, that was a BMX biking movie, but I did not see Zapped. Um, Hell track. <laughs> then the DNC. Um, I... Last night, as we record this, last night, they had Bill Clinton on. And Stephen Colbert, you know, the late show Stephen Colbert did this thing where it was they, they did a Facebook Live broadcast and they had someone typing away at, at what uh, Clinton's teleprompter really looked like. And it was hysterical. 
hysterical. I was getting so ready it was like to a live feed going on. It was a live feed. I guess the networks get the, uh, about a seven second head start because they, you know, they have to delay for anything that might happen. Or, it's a hell of a strenuous job. Make funny now. You had seven seconds. Yeah. And it, all night long. And it was wow. everything he said. <laughs> At one point, he said the word ambit, which I still don't know if it's a real word or not, but they went with the whole idea that it wasn't. <laughs> and it's basically like an internal monologue type mm-hmm. of thing like pretend like you didn't just make up a word yeah. <laughs> make a joke make another funny joke okay uh talking about the presidency do i really want to go there no sexual innuendos don't say in and out oh shit i said in and out. I, I i don't remember everything they wrote but the, it was it was the best way to consume one of these speeches whether it be yeah. a democrat republican or in between um but my here's my one question and this is this is in reference to the rnc and the dnc why are the damn speeches for anybody you care about, Scott Bayo excluded, <laughs> so late at night? So we live in the, we live in the Central Time Zone. By the time you've lost all interest or went right. to bed, yeah. So the Eastern Seaboard, which has more people, um, there's just a larger population. Mm-hmm. Is you know the normally it, it, the, the the primary speakers are between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. Central. Yeah, that's between 10 and 11 on the Eastern mm-hmm. Seaboard. That's past some 18-year-old's bedtime, okay? (laughs) And they can vote. I I mean, what are you doing? And, I mean, I understand catering to the West Coast some, but isn't there a time that could work for everybody? Right. You know, uh, what I'm saying is I don't understand from a TV consumption media perspective how you're behooving yourself and your party – by running the people that you want to be seen the most at the time where they might be seen the least. Right. Right. Um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sure there's some reasoning behind it, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I, you know, I said the same thing. I mean, you know, they wouldn't, they're not this many smart people running all this show for so long without making these decisions for a reason. But then again, they're politicians. It, they, there might just not be. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, all right. So let's, let's move on. Um, the, the the one other thing I wanted to talk about we were talking about things we watch what you watch um, I'm also going to talk about what I read because I, I did some reading uh, instead of watching TV and I just finished uh, you mentioned Stephen King earlier I just finished finished Mr Mercedes which is uh, the first in a trilogy um, about this cop and uh, he's a, he's an, he's a retired kind of overweight cop. Uh, and I, it's the first in, in a series of three, and it's not a horror movie. Okay. Or a movie. Oh, no, it's not a movie. Not a horror book. Uh, it's more just like a thriller, like yeah. noir style detective, uh, only, you know, set in present day. And I gotta tell you, I think I enjoy Stephen King more when he's not doing horror. Really? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, think about some of the amazing works that he's done as short stories or as regular stories that have turned into movies. Um, that weren't um, that weren't horror. I mean, The Green Mile, yeah, Stand by Me, Stand by Me, absolutely, yeah. Um, the uh, Shawshank, Shawshank. Yeah. yeah, I mean, God, it, it, he's really good at writing prison stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I just everything I've oh he, uh, everything I've read of his that now don't get me wrong, I love his horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, um, I, I don't know. Would you would you consider the Dark Tower horror? It's fantasy. Fantasy, I would yeah, say more. I mean, um, I, Michigan remade, and so is it. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for it. Mm-hmm. 
mostly just for Pennywise, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to perseverate on this. I, I just, the, the point is I really liked it. I look forward to reading the other two and, mm-hmm. uh, would definitely recommend it. Cool. Up next, we're going to talk about what we listened to. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a start. Um, I, I, I listen to some music. I listen to some podcasts. Uh, the podcast that stood out to me this week that I, that I listened to, uh, is called Risk. If you're, if you're searching for it in iTunes, it's R-I-S-K with an exclamation point. And, you know, here's the, here's their description about their podcast. Risk is a live show and podcast where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share in public. Hosted by Kevin Allison of the legendary TV comedy sketch, uh, troupe, The State. Uh, the Which award- I loved. This, it, the State. The, okay, funny aside story about The State. You ever notice when we were younger and we always wanted to find the DVD of The State, of the one season they yeah. had, that you could never find mm-hmm. it? Well, VHS type, but yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> go ahead and date us. Um, <laughs> The reason I found out why you can never find it, I was I was listening to an interview with a uh, another member of the state. Was it something to do with MTV owns it or something no. crazy like that? No, it has to do with ownership. They used so much copyrighted material and music oh, really? in the show that they had to cut out so much to get it. it doesn't make any sense. That it didn't even make any sense, and so they, it was. Um, you know who told who told the story? I think was. Uh, was Pete Holmes on his podcast. Um, you talk, made it weird. You made yeah. it weird. Um, no, no, no. Actually, a free plug for Pete Holmes, but that wasn't it. It was <laughs> <laughs> it was Scott Ackerman on Comedy Bang Bang talking right. to Paul Reiser. And Paul Reiser was talking about how uh, uh, Mad About You couldn't come out for years and years because they had like these two Beatles songs in a couple episodes oh, wow. and had to negotiate it out with Sony. Well, the, uh, Scott Ackerman said the same thing was true of the state and that's why it didn't come out You're for not gonna see years it. and yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> back to our original story. Um, former, former sketch comedy, uh, uh, specialist Kevin Allison from the state, um, does the show risk. And I mean, they've had they've had people on here, you know, some some, some good names: Gene Garofalo, Lisa Lampanelli, Kevin Nealon, Margaret Cho, Mark Marin, Rachel Dratch. The list goes on. I listen to just a random episode because uh, that's what I like to do with podcasts. If they have a lot of episodes, mm-hmm. I don't, not the not the last one, not the first one, yeah. just a, a random one. And and the title of it was Hurt Joy, and it's two stories. One read by Sam Levine, who, if you aren't, if that name rings a bell, but you aren't sure why yeah remember the awesome awesome show freaks and geeks oh yeah sam levine was the 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 protagonist okay. the, the shorter guy oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. guy yeah and um he he did a story and it was really funny uh and then the other one was a guy i'd never heard of uh an author from lexington virginia named peter uh neophotus and he did, he did like this hour long, tragic, sad, but awesomely sort of redeeming story about growing up in the South as a flamboyantly gay man. Okay. Okay. And when you listen to him talk, he's got that Southern, he almost sounds like a that Southern draw. bell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he sounds like a Southern bell because it's kind of a, a feminine. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say that. It, it's not, it's just, it, it sounds like a Southern gay man. Yeah. There's no other way to, no, there's absolutely. no other way to describe it. And he's just so articulate and describes everything so beautifully. Um, 
I'm not, not going to try to retell his story, mm-hmm. but all it is are these people telling stories that either because they're embarrassing or because they're painful or just because it's something that you probably wouldn't share with the untold thousands of people downloading a podcast. Yeah. Go ahead and do. And I loved it, man. I'm, I'm, I hit subscribe and I'm going to be listening o- over and over. It's actually kind of unique. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. The other, uh, as far as music goes, um, Frankly, I, I just bought my Riot Fest tickets. Riot Fest, if you mm. if you aren't in Chicago, is a is an awesome um, three day festival that that comes in September after Lala. Each year, I either go to Lala or Riot Fest. I'm not a huge festival guy, so I don't do both. Um, more years than not, I do Riot Fest instead of Lala. And uh, this year's no different. We're going on the Friday, and um, who's headlining that night? Uh, uh, the headliner that night is the Flaming Lips. Uh, oh, and, really? And Ween. Um, both kind of so like nineties yeah, right? nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and listen, I'm looking forward to them. That'll be great. You're picking my- up your buddy's beat and beat. To go <laughs> <laughs> Watch my tattoo dance, dance. Petunia dance. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> the real reason uh, I'm going is Jimmy World's playing, oh, and yeah. they, they have been one of my favorite bands literally for I, I, I don't know when they came out. Probably two decades, yeah. fifteen years, um, and I've never seen them. Just never mm-hmm. right place, right time. And lately, all the tours they've been have been like college towns. They haven't, yeah. they haven't come to Chicago. So I can't wait to see them. So I've been listening to my playlist. Uh, some Another band that's uh, that's coming that I like, it's kind of the whiny punk pop stuff, but I'm a big fan of whiny punk pop stuff. Uh, a band called All Time Low. Uh, they're kind of like Boys Like Girls, if you I, know who that is. Yeah, I'm not familiar with them at all. Um, I'll play it for you. Uh, and, and then the other really cool thing Julian Marley, which is Bob Marley's kid, mm-hmm. he and his band are going to play the entire album Exodus by Bob Marley oh, and the wow, Wailers. Cool. Uh, and given the fact that I was, I mean, how old were we when Bob Marley died? I don't know. Under five? Yeah. You know, uh, the, the fact I that we'll get to check, check that out is awesome. I think that's something that a lot of, even the bands that made the album, not even as a tribute, don't do enough of is revisit old albums and play them in their entirety. Yep. A band I really like, Counting Crows, will go back and they'll play August and everything after we're going to play the entire album tonight. And, and I think stuff like we, that is awesome. I, I completely agree. But can we stop on Counting Crows for a second? Yeah. How does that dude get that mad ass that he gets? <laughs> That's the dreadlocks. I mean, what's his name? Uh, Adam Duritz. Adam Duritz. I, I don't know if it's still happening today, but there was a, there was a there was a five year window where every hot chick in Hollywood like oh yep dating Adam Duritz. Well, he was dating. I don't think he, I don't know if he ever banged her, but he said he was he went out with um, Jennifer Aniston. Yep, he dated Courtney Cox. He date his best friend and dated well, I, is the I'll, chick from. I guess they weren't all hot, but go ahead. <laughs> The chick from Weeds. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and West Wing. Uh, I can't Julia. No, 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 not Julia Louis Dreyfus. No. Or Mary, uh, Mary. Mary. Yeah, I can't think of her name either. Anyway, anyway. Mary, if you're listening, we apologize. Mary Louise Parker. Mary Louise Parker. There, there it is. Thanks, producer Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I don't know. I know those are kind of weak examples, but yeah, you're right. He pulled ass like a toilet seat in the 90s. Because you know, <laughs> he was writing all those angsty, oh, slip my wrist and blah, blah, blah. And, and people <laughs> identified with it. And they said, you know what? I want him inside me. It's been a, <laughs> it's 
it's been a, yeah, I, it's been a long December. <laughs> oh, but I digress. <laughs> All right. So, um, but you're you're absolutely right. That enough bands don't just go play the entire album. Um, last year at Riot Fest, I missed this, mm-hmm. but Snoop Dogg did Doggy Style. Oh, yeah. And I'm I, I wish I would have wish like, I would have caught that. on stage. Yeah. <laughs> He was arrested after for lewd and lascivious conduct, but um, no, yeah, he 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 did doggy style. I wish they did more of that. Um, but yeah, uh, getting back to Bob Marley and the Whalers, if you you I mean you look at this album Exodus, th- there isn't a song on there that you're not familiar with. You might not be familiar with the title, but if you play it, uh, I mean some of the some of the easy easy ones, you're like uh, you know, jamming. Everyone knows jamming. Um, one love. I mean, you know, these are just, these are classics. Um, waiting in vain, turn the lights down low. Oh, God, three little birds. Three little birds is an amazing song. Now, I, what I ha, what I can tell you though is I haven't seen Julian Marley live. So I just hope it's not a, uh, it's not a, a sad approximation. Right. Like Gallagher's brother. <laughs> Gallagher. Gallagher. <laughs> Gallagher's brother, Gallagher. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's what I've been listening to. What about you? Uh, so, well, going on with music. So I had my summer party. Every year we do a big summer party. We call it the Chicago style hot dog party. We, you know, big blowout of my house. Yeah, and, so, I, and I missed it. I'm yeah, like, yeah. You know, you were rude, but that's fine. Yeah. So this year I bought outdoor those rock speakers. You know that you can leave them. That out looks like a rock. It looks like a rock, but it's a speaker. They're known for the sound quality. Yeah, I believe. exactly. Very much so. No, so I got some for the outside just so that we could have music because we always have like those Bluetooth boxes you set up and you stream to, it, and I just wanted to have something. So I literally buried the um, the wire, got everything ready, and so I'm like, oh, I gotta have a good playlist. And so I actually sent out to some people. I'm like, hey, what are some songs you want? Almost everything people came back with was 90s. So <laughs> I was like, okay, it's probably our age. You know what I mean? So I put together a playlist, and it was a ton of like – Consisting sublime. of the Verve and Verve Pipe? Verve and Verve Pipe, and just let them fight it out. You know? <laughs> um, it was bittersweet. I was young and knew everything. <laughs> so uh, Sublime, Kenny Crows, Blues Traveler, Soundgarden. Green Day, STP. Yes. Gin Blossoms, OAR, Toe the West Sprocket. Like, Ooh, like OAR, that. OAR. Can oh, we classify that as 90? I know they existed in the 90s. So for me, when I think of OAR, I think of Crazy Game of Poker. SIU Carbondale. Right. I think of going to Copper Dragon. That had to have been 99 or 2000. So maybe they're cusp, but we were, I was in the, in the tail end of the 90s for college. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll give it to you with the circa. Yeah. Okay. Now, crazy game of poker. I don't know what year it came out. We listened the hell out of that in college. No, that's not, I mean, uh, <laughs> and after college, when like you were throwing your parties and all that stuff. <laughs> Our buddy Chris Stemmler um, would play that song over. Well, just on repeat. On repeat at a party. Yeah. Like, hey, is welcome to hour number three of crazy game of poker. I know every word, and I wish I didn't. <laughs> so. Uh, 90s nostalgia, getting back to that. As soon as I'm making this list, I see Smash Mouth. Remember Smash Mouth? Oh, yeah. Was playing in Oswego. Oswego, if you don't know the area here, it is a way far out suburb. To the point where you almost can't call it. Calling it a suburb is kind of horse crap, except for I got a buddy who lives there and he makes the trek every day 
to the city because he's dumb. <laughs> like, dumb. Let's put that out there yeah, right now. This knows. is the reason for it. So they have like, I don't know, Oswego celebration, Oswego fest, Oswego, hey, we exist. I don't know. That, like, that sounds amazing. Terrible. And the big headliners that they decided to have was... Diff, uh, funnel cakes. Uh, and elephant ears. Oh, choose your own adventure. So Smash Mouth plays this. And the first thing they... And you can imagine, I'm sure it's 6 o'clock start time or something stupid. They're like, hey, Oswego, who's ready to get fucked up? And they just like pulled out a joint you smoke it and all this <laughs> shit. And you know it's soccer moms and like... Dads with their kids for the weekend there, and I guess just people are like leaving in droves because <laughs> I don't know, but I guess pot is bad in Oswego and Smash Mouth. You don't say fuck. So the next week, <laughs> but wait, 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 hold on. Before you get there, I want to know about the seventeen guys that were still standing there <laughs> in, in like ripped kid rock shirts, right. going, "All right, keep it going, Smash Mouth." <laughs> so. Smash Mouth had to make a p- apology in the what I can only the Oswego B the Oswego Gazette the <laughs> Oswego, Oswego Journal Register <laughs> Register yeah uh, saying we're sorry we didn't mean to we know this was a family event please forgive us they made a public apology <laughs> for and, and it's not like it, it you're not expecting you're going to get Iron Maiden it's Smash Mouth like they had a job. wait a second hold on I got to stop you there. Would Iron Maiden be an upgrade from Smash Mouth in today, Iron, 2016? Uh, Iron Maiden's doing their big tour. They got that jumbo jet that came into Chicago this year. They had their own terminal. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, it reminds me of when we were in college. I'd go to Heronfest. Heronfest. Do not Italian. pronounce it correctly. Heronfesta Italiana. Thank you. Don't sugarcoat Which it. had uh, the only Italian food... I'm using air quotes again, you could get would be deep fried ravioli. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a country and, band. But we went and saw Blue Oyster Cult. Oh. And in the ad, in the whatever the Heron paper was, or uh, maybe the Carbondale paper, <laughs> asterisk featuring no original members of Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> But we bought the band name and domain name for $35. <laughs> and I'm not and I'm not exaggerating or lying to you when I tell you that they played Don't Fear the Reaper to open and to close. <laughs> well, what do you, you know? <laughs> hey, you play the hits, right? <laughs> so, hey, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So it just made me think of when I – so I guess I've had Smash Mouth on the brain because I'm putting this 90s list together. People ask for it. I immediately go online and I see that they're playing Oswego. Then I immediately see that they're apologizing. It made me think of you and me when we're like 16 years old. We go to the Peoria Day celebration and there's Smash Mouth and they were unheard of. Like no one had ever heard of them. <laughs> and we're like, who? This band's going to make it. <laughs> These guys are bringing the heat. Like, is it? What? Isn't Smash? Wait, is that All Star? Hey, now you're yeah, an All Star. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> And the guy looks like Guy Fieri. Yeah, yeah. But, like, kind of, if Guy Fieri let himself go. Let him, yeah. <laughs> and and the reason I referenced Kid Rock earlier, didn't that guy used to play with Kid Rock, the guy from Smash Mouth? Uh, if he did, I'm not aware of it. Okay, well. No, you're thinking of Uncle Cracker. Oh. They oh, look very similar. That's what it is. They yeah. look the same. Yeah. And they're all so, and they're all juggalos, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Insane clown posse. <laughs> we juggalos from way back. We hatchet men. Yeah. As they as they say. But you're right, in Peoria and yeah, we, we circa nineteen ninety five ish or so. Like I don't know. Maybe they're established. 
But so anyway. So we've so, established a 21-year relationship between you, me, and Smash Mouth. Yes. Everyone's yeah. going to listen to the show. Uh, we have liked Smash Mouth longer than the, not liked, that's the wrong term. We've been aware of Smash Mouth <laughs> longer than uh, Smash Mouth's parents are probably aware of Smash Mouth. <laughs> And I love how, and this is true of a lot of different bands, I love how just the lead singer takes on the persona of the band. They just call that guy. Hey, Smash, Smash Mouth. Mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Hootie. <laughs> you know? Hey, Bon Jovi. Oh, no wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Springsteen. <laughs> Dick. So, um, so uh, I've also been podcasting. Great segue there. Uh, I've also been it was po- natural. It, it felt that. good. <laughs> it felt. We're going to leave that in. Let's flow. Um, the black tape. <laughs> leave it in, producer Stacy. Yeah. Producer Stacy. We're get- she's giving us big thumbs up. Um, producer slash fluffer. It works. <laughs> black tapes is a podcast I've been listening to. Uh, it is. I'll just read you, kind of like you did. What it says here is so the black tapes is a weekly prod- podcast from the Pacific Northwest Stories in Minnow Beats Whale. And it's hosted by Alec Regan. Alex Regan. The Black Tapes is a, semi, a serialized docudrama about one of journalists' search for truth, her enigmatic subject's mysterious past, and the literal and figurative ghosts that haunt them both. That tells you nothing about the podcast. So the podcast... I mean, I is, fell asleep while you were I know, I know. And it's not your reading style. That's a horrible description yeah, of the podcast. Yeah, it's really bad. This chick is interviewing a guy named Dr. Richard Strand, who runs an institute institute called the Strand Institute. Wait, so wait, let, let's let's just I want to establish one thing. It's a docudrama. It's a docudrama. So it's fake. so it's fictional. But it's set up to be a like it's a documentary. But it's a, it's a it's made up. So supposedly she's interviewing this guy named Dr. Richard Strand who runs the Strand Institute out of Chicago. And what it is is he debunks ghosts and goblins and spooks and specters and all that stuff. So anything supernatural, you send him in. And, and he poos on your parade. Exactly. And the whole gist of it is he's got a million dollars out there for anyone who can prove the supernatural. And so the black tapes are like these 12 or however many tapes he has in his collection that he's yet to solve. And so they're opening them up and each week they're like diving into a new case. But it's it's so thick with made up drama and everyone's out to kill everyone and blah, blah, blah. But it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It started slow. Every week there's I, a new case. So it's almost like a, uh, ish. Yeah. So, so it's almost like, a, the X files, like where, kind of, where you've got mul- everyone and... you're finding out is involved. So oh, of okay. those 12, you find out they're all together okay. and then you're like, what's he hiding and blah, 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 blah. So I'm into like, Tail end of season two. I've listened to everything but two episodes. So we're like episode, you know, season two, nine and two, ten. I uh-huh. listen to it too. It's a lot of fun. It's a little heady. I listen to it in the car when I'm driving. Keeps you up. Keeps you entertained. Good. You know, so yeah, it's no smash mouth. <laughs> but what is? But uh, yeah, so that's what I've been listening to. All right. Moving on, we, we, we wouldn't be doing ourselves a service without talking about sports just a little bit. Sports. Sports. What are we going to talk about in sports, Brent? I want to talk about UFC and doping. Awesome. <laughs> um, I like UFC and I like dope. So. Yeah, it's, it's true. I don't think they do the, the same kind of dope, though. You know? Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm not near as interested in this segment now. So, 10 years ago. 
I was as big of a USC fan as you could find. I'll say. My father, you were talking about boxing. My father, I grew up, the only sport my father watched was boxing. Right. And when mixed martial arts came out, I remember when we were younger, we watched some of the, the tapes, like after UFC 1 and 2, like we rented them, we watched it, and I loved it. And I grew up real close to to um, Matt Hughes, you know, so like you go to Menards and he might be in there buying a, you know, something, you run into him, you know. Menards Once, is a regional. Um, yeah. Hardware store. Hardware store like one Home time, Depot, right? One time for my buddy uh, Jake's bachelor party, we went paintballing. And he was there with his church youth group, him and his brother. He has a twin brother. We, like, played paintball with him and stuff. So, I mean, anyway, that's I digress. So, in other words, you guys are bros. Yeah. You know, he's on my Christmas card list. Right. You know. Loved it. And as the years go by, there you, uh, one of the reasons I loved it, I'm going to say, is because every year there was three pay-per-views. Then it became four. Then it became six. Then it became every month. Then it became every month almost, except for there's Fight Night on Fox and, and you know, all this. And it just became too much. Right. And it became very commercialized. And everyone is fighting to win. And they start cutting corners. And doping has become rampant in the UFC. And we just said okay. UFC 200. It's a big... Um, so, what... Why don't why don't we talk through real quickly what doping can mean in this? So in this, I'm not talking about like marijuana or cocaine. I'm talking about performance enhancing drugs, HGH, androstine, steroids. So hormones and steroids. Yes, hormones and steroids. The men and the women both. So if you're going to fight, you have to be tested. You might be tested once three weeks out, once a week out, once three right. months out. But some fighters get tested way more than others. In fact, I just read Holly Holmes, who lost at UFC. Again, no, right? Not at, at the fight night. She just lost again. Right. Was tested 14 times on her way to that fight. 14 times. She's tied or she just took over the, the, the most dope testing ever. But then you got other people that are barely ever tested. Who who decides how often they? That's it. I don't know. I you know. I, I guess there, there's different um, companies that 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 sanction it or okay. they do the testing. UFC can ask for testing. The USADA or whatever it is can do it. And there's like two other independent ones depending and, on where. You and the reason it. the USADA can get involved is because the UFC has agreed to be yeah. monitored by these folks. Yeah, just like if you go to. You know, if you're going to fight in Nevada, the Nevada Athletic Association is sanctioning you. They're going to say, like, if you're going to fight in their state. So this helps them to get sanctioned. It makes it legitimate. Got it. Okay. So Brock Lesnar failed two drug tests on his way to UFC 200. Brock Lesnar surprisingly fought at UFC. He hasn't fought in five years. Um, Everyone thought he was a beast when he came out. He has a lackluster, you know. uh, Game. Everything, you know. But correct me if I'm wrong, he won at UFC. He won. He went to decision and he beat uh, Mark Hunt. But now, here's the kicker. Is his dad's name Mike? I believe it is. (laughs) If not, it should be. So, he failed two drug tests. So, minimum, UFC is going to say, you're out for two years. They didn't find out until it's too late. He still fought. Whereas, John Jones filled out 72 hours before UFC 200 and they had to pull it. You know, so they found out that he had te- tested positive, pulled him out, gone. So 
they shit down their pants for UFC 200. And if you're Dana White, you've got to be going, what the fuck, guys? And then you got the UFC's outlook on it. UFC, Brock Lesnar's their bread and butter. Right. He comes in every once in a while. He attracts non-UFC fans. And Even if I'm not a UFC fan, I know who Brock Lesnar is. Didn't Brock... Did Brock Lesnar try to play football too? Did he try out for the Vikings or some yes. shit? Yes. Yes. I mean, it's just a name that gets people yeah. involved. So here's the deal. Here's what you or WWE had it said. According to WWE officials, Lesnar is classified as a part-time athlete, and thus he is not subject to the company's talent wellness program. So what the talent wellness program says is if you're a full-time fighter and you test positive, fuck you, you're out. But they don't classify him as a full-time fighter, fighter in quote, you know, I'm sorry, um, entertainer. So he can do whatever the fuck he wants. And that's why Vince McMahon is making more yeah. money than all of us combined. Exactly. <laughs> so then you got Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt comes out with a statement that he does not want to be part of the UFC unless he do something about the doping that seems to be on the upswing, is his quote. And he said he wants Lesnar's full fight purse for the event, a record $2.5 million for a, a disclosed payday, which doesn't include pay-per-view money or other undisclosed compensation that Lesnar likely received. He said because they allowed him to fight after, you know, that he should get all his money. What do you think? Absolutely not. Uh, no way. Listen, contracts are in place for a reason. Mm-hmm. Whatever their agreement was, was that he had, an, a, a, correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't know near about, enough about He had a certain amount of time to appeal. That window, it was. Uh, it, they had to have a him. B test. He failed them both. Uh, so the two is the B test. Okay. Yeah. Um, somehow the window or whatever the way it worked, mm-hmm. he still got to fight. Mm-hmm. Unless there's a stipulation in that contract that says if you test positive out, you know, and we just didn't know about it, yeah, and then the full purse goes to your opponent. Absolutely not. Contrast exi- contracts exist for a reason. Now, uh, am I saying I agree with it? Uh, no, no. In, in fact, I, I did some research, and apparently, him and John Jones, uh, it, it's being um, it, it's being circulated. I, I, you know, here's the thing I've learned about UFC: there's so many effing websites that you don't yeah. know if you're reading yeah. uh, reading something that's legit or reading just you know kind of speculation, but. Uh, it, what, from what I understand, both Brock Lesnar and John Jones tested positive for clomon- uh, clomiphene, mm-hmm. which is an anti-estrogen drug, which they only give to people so they don't get like man tits, bitch tits, yeah, yeah, uh, because they're on steroids. Mm-hmm. That's why it's that's why it's that's uh, why it's a controlled substance. That's why it's a controlled substance. So if that's true, obviously he was doing something wrong, and I'm not saying I agree with that. I don't agree with steroids in in, in sports, and yeah. I'll, I'll get onto my, my my soapbox about that in a second. But contracts are contracts, agreements are agreements. Mm-hmm. Just because you feel slighted, too fucking bad. It's, you know, it's not, it's not fair. You know what? Yeah, you know what a fair is. It's in Oswego where it has funnel cakes and elephant ears. That's a fair. And all the smash mouth you can take. Yeah, right? Light a joint and enjoy the shit out. <laughs> Isn't that right? Smash mouth. Whatever you name it. No, I agree. Future with- guest of the show, Smash yeah. Mouth. Yeah. Uh, the list of big names that got caught doping is kind of staggering. I'm going to leave you a little list. of These are the people in the last few years that have been at least once a lot of te- these people multiple times. Brock Lesnar, John Jones, 
Josh Barnett, Tim Sylvia, Chemo, Vitor Belfort, Nate Marquardt, Stephen Bonner, Hoist Gracie, Phil Baroni. Hoist Gracie, Hoist wow. Gracie, Sean Shirk, Asterix, Hermes Franca, Antonio Silva, Chris Lieben, Ken Shamrock, Tiago Silva, uh, Chris Cyborg Santos. Kid Sh- Shamrock, also another WWE guy, right? Yes. Yeah. At one point in time. 90s. Yeah. Uh, Joey Beltran, Anderson Silva, and Ben Rothwell. Those are big names. Each one of those guys. Now, you're talking about you know taking it when you get caught. Sean Shirk tested positive. And he tested positive for a substance that was in a supplement he was taking that they sold at GNC. And he said, I had no idea that this was in there. Right. Fuck me, I should have known. Right. And like, and you know, and they're like, yeah, like, and he goes, how would I ever thought they'd something in one of those now, if that's true or not, who knows, but they did show that what he was taking was there. Was in it. But he took it and he said, ah, fuck it. I got, you know, be a man about it. Well, that, that's like, I mean, I know a lot more about the NFL than I do UFC. And mm-hmm. in the NFL, it, it it's like, here's the NFL approved supplements. Yeah. Take them and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Anything not on this list, don't take it. Well, you can, but yeah, yeah. you know, you buyer do, beware. Buyer beware. Deal with the results. And uh, to a man, every one of them that's come out and and gotten caught has not said shit. My bad. Oh man, I can't believe this. Uh, you know, special chicken broth I had in Mexico got me. You know, yeah. I, literally, that was some. Well, uh, some Anderson Silva said his his black market Cialis pills. For erectile dysfunction, were black market, and that's where he got the uh, the steroid. You mean you're really worried about your career if you're going? Listen, my dick doesn't work, but <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't taking steroids. But I don't want to go to the doctor because I'm a millionaire, so I went to the Mexican black market for black market Cialis pills. <laughs> that's something I would do, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have experience in this? <laughs> Not anymore. Not since I got burnt. I mean, okay. hey. But in the in the NFL, and and that's what happens. They they and then they get suspended. It's just and uh, fuck them. I they mean, should. Just the other day, Le- Le'Veon Bell, the running back for the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers, got suspended, and he didn't even test positive. He missed a test. Yep. And yep. You know, I, listen. Why he missed a test? I don't know. He might have known something we don't, and that's yep. why he missed on purpose and hoped the appeal would work. Or maybe he's just a moron and, you know, didn't go. One too many head hits. Thought, thought, or thought he was too, you know, thought he was bigger than the, you know, he's, he's yep. the biggest running back in the NFL, probably top, top three pick in everyone's fantasy draft. Um, of course, it, he, he probably thinks he's bigger than the, than the test, but it, listen, the NFL doesn't care. They don't. <laughs> they don't suffer fools, yeah, right. <laughs> as my grandma would say. Um, but I want to. I want to get back to 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 what you were talking about with all those different guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I think an important part to differentiate, and and I'm not sure where I come down on on which one's okay and which ones isn't, is the guys that are doing steroids, the guys that are juicing hardcore, mm-hmm. and the folks that are using HGH. So. I read an article that doesn't differentiate that, but it had this list. Now, this isn't everyone, but this was the the names that, you know, normal people know. Of all the people in major, the WEC, Strike Force, you know, Pride runs around, all that, you know, UFC. K2. Yeah, there you go. K1 or whatever. Um, oh, it's K2. That, K2 is that fake pot. Never mind. Of everyone that did it, that did the, the, the drugs, 22 of them won. 25 of them lost, 
and there was one draw. So does it work? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You know what I mean? Like, well, and they just like they say, like, oh, well, you know, strength isn't going to make you hit home runs, but guess what? But it gets you to repair your muscles quicker. Exactly. So here's where I come down. I have no problem with HGH. Everything I've read, say, I mean, doctors use it all the time. I think for, it, for older people, I think for it's, it's us for men. Mere, yeah. yeah, us mere mortals, doctors use it all the time. There's no negative health effects from what, I, from what I've read, uh, as opposed to like antibiotic steroids, which... The big know, thing with HGH, which is the problem is it needs to be on people that no longer produce it. You know, the people that are older, because there is a side effect, it makes everything grow. Your head, your intestines, your heart. So... People that are 30 years old and they've been on HGH, their hearts are bigger than yours or mine because it's a muscle and it makes it grow. Are you sure that's true? With, well, so under that's the care they, of a doctor, I, well, so for people that need it for, like, when I'm saying for long term use, I'm talking about people that abuse it. Well, no, there's like specialty clinics out there that if you're a golfer on the weekends, a scratch golfer, mm-hmm. and you rip up your knee and your ankle, mm-hmm. these specialty clinics that cost a lot more than your yeah. PPO would probably pay for. Yeah. They, they will give you HGH to help you recover from that. Yes. But you're not on that HGH on like a three time lethal dose. Not lethal, but. Right. That's why I said under the years. I I said under the care of a doctor. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just saying there was side effects. What I'm trying to get to is it's almost like the marijuana uh, argument. Is prohibition. I'm talking about HGH. Is prohibition the right way to handle it? Or should it be fine as long as you're under the care of the doctor? The problem was in the 80s, they came out and said, you know what? Nothing. You can't use steroids. So we don't know because doctors aren't allowed to test with them. Now, HGH and things like that, they are. But anabolic steroids that that could have thousands of legitimate uses, they're not allowed to to even that we're allowed. I mean, think about uh, Peyton Manning. Right. Uh, they just came out. The NFL just came out the other day and, and because they want to save his posterity, said, yeah, we researched that Al Jazeera uh, story for seven months and he's clean as a whistle. Yeah. I mean, the guy had a broken neck mm-hmm. and had a special stem cell surgery done and all of a sudden, you know, won a Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. he didn't look like Peyton mm-hmm. Manning with the Colts, but he yeah. still looked pretty good. And do I believe that he never got anywhere near HGH? Probably not. Yeah, I, I think he used it to help uh, to help repair himself. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a good thing. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. The reason it needs to be under the care of a doctor is because if these guys do this just outright rampantly, you're talking about two sports: the UFC and the and, uh, the NFL. Where the stronger they are and the harder they hit, the more devastation they do to the other person's body. Yeah. And so if they, I, I, I definitely don't want to use it as a performance enhancement. Yeah. But to help heal people's bodies, I, I see a very legit. And I see where, yeah, under the care of a doctor, either that or, or go everything and anything goes, go to town. <laughs> you know, like, Gladiator yeah, style. Yeah, just fine. Yeah. Snort this, shoot this, do that. You know, like, let's, let's go. So I'd be down for that too. That's kind of a neat little breakdown and we can end on this. I just thought it was funny. So steroid busts by year in mixed martial arts in 2002 of all fighters. This is one, no three, one and Oh four, one and Oh five, one and Oh six, four and Oh seven. They must have 
introduced new testing 14. So you went from 4 to 14. 085, 094, 101, 124, 13.2, and then we go up to 14.5, 15.5, and this year's going to be way above those. So, yeah, when you see the higher numbers, did they continue to address their policies? I mean, I, I know. Or did they loosen their policies? Well, hell, think about this. When when the UFC started, all the rules that are in place now about hitting the back of the head and all that, that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, they've continually evolved as a league. I'm sure they're... they're grab hair and punch them in the nuts. Right. You know, yeah. There's no weight classes. Right. They, oh, yeah. No weight classes. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, R.I.P. Kimbo Slice. Um <laughs> the, the the one thing I wanted to I, the, mention while we're on this mm-hmm. is one of my favorite sports is the one that your dad always watched, the one that I, I like to work out with, boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, is this an opportunity? Because the more dirty that the sport seems, the more people will walk away from it. Yeah. Uh, it I uh, There's a few other problems with baseball, like how long a game takes, but – Steroid era has taken its toll on yeah. baseball and the people, you know, it, it used to, you, you, it used to be able to be argued that baseball was America's game. That can't even be argued anymore. And mm-hmm. the NFL is America's game. If the right stars come along, not Floyd Mayweather, who, yeah. who doesn't want to get in it. God bless him. He knows how to fight. He knows how to win a, uh, you know, he makes a lot of money. He knows how to win a, uh, but it's boring as shit. Mm-hmm. If the right stars come along, a new Mike Tyson, a new George Foreman, That's a new the thing Buster, is you need a charismatic fighter. But if they if good. a charismatic fighter came along who's good five years ago, it still wasn't going to do no. shit compared to the UFC because right. it's been so big. Is this the crack in the shield? I think so many boxing fans have turned their nose or their back on boxing because it seems so corrupt. Or their chin. Their chin. (laughs) For a standing eight count. Uh, Just because it seems so corrupt. There's so many fights that you knew didn't go that way. There's so many. It's going to take a lot of PR and more than one champion to to heal, you know, what they, what boxing did to itself. I agree. Here's the other problem with boxing, and and if the UFC is not careful, they're gonna they're going this path. They're not there yet. Can you tell me what one of those sixteen belts mean? Yeah, I mean I've got four of them. I'm the intercontinental featherweight, and I'm also yeah. the the. And at least they have a unified, you know, the the undisputed. Right, you know? right, right, right. Whereas you can't even say that. And it used to be, well, okay, everyone's in the UFC if you want to be legitimate. But now a lot of people have problems with the UFC. So right. going elsewhere. Right. You know, so. I, but I, I think that's boxing. I think boxing should, 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 should make themselves smaller. Right? Yeah. Like as a, as a professional organization. Just become the, everything under the WBC or something like that. Right. Exactly. Know? Yeah. And, and, and cause what do they argue? They're, they're arguing over pennies right now. There's nobody's watching. Yeah. And, cause all the real money in sports comes from the TV deals. Mm-hmm. And there are no good TV deals except for like Friday night fights for ESPN. And, you well, know. you know, it used to like when we were kids. USA had boxing all the time. Yep. HBO had boxing all the time. HBO was where you went. Yeah. Now, you know, it's, it's few and far between. No one cares. Right. It, it, it needs to, it, it saddens my soul. It's on uh, life support, but yeah, they need something. Yeah. Well, we're not going to solve it tonight, so let's move <laughs> on. All right. We, we're going to get out of what we listen to and what we watch and, and what we think about sports. And we're going to talk about, in the next segment, it's called... Does it stand? 
what does it stand is we're going to take something from our past, a movie, a TV show, um, a brand, uh, you name it, and say, okay, we loved this back then, but do we love it now? Does it, does it hold the test of time? And for our first Does It Stand, we went with the classic David Bowie, Jennifer Connelly smash hit, Labyrinth. I think smash hit is a, a generous, generous thing. Smash hit now? <laughs> but in 1986? So this is interesting. The Jennifer Connelly vehicle. Yeah, the Jennifer Connelly vehicle. Which was followed up soon after by, uh, was it Career Opportunities? That couldn't have been soon after because I remember seeing, I remember when the movie started and I haven't watched Labyrinth for a while, but I remember Mm -hmm. loving it. When the movie, I I just watched it last night. When the movie started, I'm like, Jennifer Connelly, she's so hot. And then she's a little girl. Wait, I'm, I can't. I can't yeah. think that right now. I looked it up. She was 15 when they yeah. recorded. She must have been, or, she was probably at least 19 in career opportunities. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was, so budget, $25 million to make this movie. You know what the box office was? Mm-mm. 12.9 million. It was a huge failure. Wow. I didn't know that. And, um, so Jim Henson, George Lucas, Co- they, they co-opted that's a super, it. Yeah. And you got David Bowie on board. Jim Henson directed it. Yes. And also was responsible for the, not the actual screenplay, but the story. He didn't story. come up with the story. Him and, well, yes. He was responsible for the story. Him and another guy came up with a story. Right. And then uh, wrote the screenplay. And uh, Jim Henson, as he said, like his son was talking about this in, a, in an interview, he poured his heart and soul into this and it tanked. Right. Now it became, it's one of those darling movies when you think right. back on your childhood. Everyone knows you remember the babe, you know. Yeah, yeah. The babe, you know. And, Everyone remembers that stuff. David Bowie's such a iconic character anyway. Enigmatic, yeah. yeah. So it said, I thought this was uh, interesting. It says, the commercial failure of the film demoralized him. This is from his son. Demoralized Henson to the extent that... Who was also a part of the movie. His son? Henson's son, yeah. Yes. Uh, extent that his son, Brian, remembered the time of the film's release is one of the most difficult periods in his father's career. It would be the last feature film directed by Henson before his death in 1990. Boy, yeah, we're off to a positive start on this. Yeah, one. <laughs> sorry for the big downer. So you know, the opening credits hit, and the first thing I think I see, I see a Henson production or whatever it says in reference to him, and I see Lucas Arts, and, and I'm like, like, "Holy shit, the Dark Crystal went to space!" Yeah, this is going <laughs> to be amazing. I can't wait. So we start Act One, if you will. With Jennifer Connelly at home. Well, I mean, it starts with her in a park, but whatever. She's in a park. Acting like she's in Labyrinth. With the owl watching. Yes. Oh, that's right. With the owl. Yeah. A lot of foreshadowing in this movie. Yeah, I didn't get that. As a kid, I was like, why is there an owl? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so her parents ask her to babysit. The whole point that she was in the park was because she was supposed to babysit and she forgot. So that right. was the, oh shit, I'm supposed to be home. And they're, and they're yelling at her when she gets home. But... A few things I noticed about about the whole scene with the parents. Mm-hmm. The voices are off. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if they were paying the wrong person to like the actor. They didn't want to pay him as much because they, they obviously it. went back and overdubbed yeah. the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Even Jennifer Connelly's voice is off. Yeah, and it's not. And you could say, well, maybe that was like an artistic choice because obviously the the Muppets later are 
are, are overdubbed, but yeah. it wasn't because like when her and Bowie are talking, mm-hmm. it's, it's very, spot on. it's spot on. Yeah. So that was really weird and it just kind of sets a, a weird mm-hmm. tone for the movie. And then another continuity thing, um, I, and I actually went and read all of the continuity. Uh, IMDb oh, the will mistakes. show you the mistakes. Yeah, and that's it didn't nice. mention this one. It didn't mention this one, but so she's in her room and, um, and her dad talking to her through the, through the door. Yeah. And she runs out of her room because she's upset about and the doors the, open. The baby. No. When she oh. opens the oh. door, literally a half a second to a second and a half later, Where's dad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, if he was just yelling at you through the door, he wouldn't have had time to get his ass halfway down the stairs, much, you know, much less out of the shot. Yeah, completely. he's just not there. Yeah. He's just not there. That's funny. <laughs> so, so I'm sure most of you, the whole point of the movie was Toby is her little brother and she wishes she has to watch her baby brother. She wishes. Babysit while the parents babysit. are going out on a date. So she makes the wish. That the Goblin King would take her brother away so that she wouldn't have to babysit. But be careful what you wish for. (laughs) (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Because uh, he does just that. One other thing before we get to the Goblin King. Mm -hmm. When we're in, originally, her bedroom, a thing I noticed, um, another foreshadow we'll get to later. Huge picture over her bed of an M.C. Escher drawing. Which, uh, that is huge foreshadowing. Right. Go ahead. No, so so uh, I was just taking this to where so she wishes that her brother would be taken away, and so the Goblin King takes him away, and she wants her brother back. So he makes the deal with her that if she can make it to the center of his labyrinth in what was it, thirteen hours? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And remember, the clock has a thirteen yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she gets her brother back, right? Yes, and when he is explaining this to her, the windows are open in her bedroom. Or no, I'm sorry, is that in Toby's bedroom? Yes. And instead of seeing the outdoor outdoors of their neighborhood, you see the land of the Goblin King, right? The the air the the you know he says uh, he's there in my castle, yeah. right? And he points to the castle. It's awesome. Bowie points to the right. And it pans to her, or it clicks to her. She looks completely left. (laughs) And then it's like they notice that in the middle of this day's shooting. Oh, shit. Because then his arm, when they shoot, go back to him, it kind of goes from right to left. (laughs) Like, he's like, yeah, I'm in over there. (laughs) I'm glad you're smarter than me, little girl. (laughs) Fuck you, your kid's dead. (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) And it just made me think, man, did they... Because you know the budget wasn't that great, and David Bowie's a huge. Star. They only had him for like two days of shooting. Yeah, no. <laughs> Print one take. <laughs> so um, I didn't find. Looking back on it now, and then looking back on when I watched it as a kid, Dark Crystal I found very disturbing as far as like some of the you know those little bird creature things. Yeah, yeah. And, and everything. The things in this were a lot more fun, but it's still disturbing. I think, like, this is one... Like, if you were a kid at that time, I could see this being a scary movie. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and it's weird. There are there are moments... I was going to reference this later, but she's got, her dog eventually comes along yes. with her. And every time the dog is scared and it, it zooms to the dog, 
it makes that sound that Scooby Doo makes when he's shaking. That I can't even emulate yeah. it. But if you've ever seen Scooby Doo mm-hmm. and he's shaking and he's scared and and Shaggy's shaking and he's scared, there's that that sound effect. They give that sound effect to the dog. That's an obvious kid move. Like that's yeah. for a kids movie. Yeah, you know. But then there's other stuff. I mean, they I, I noticed well, at it's least Rob, it's you know the. Eat the apple, my dearie. Eat the peach. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah stuff yeah. like that. I mean, it's it, it borrowed heavy on a lot of themes. But my point is, like, they're half the time they're playing to kids, but then the other time it gets yeah. a little creepy. Yeah, yeah, and it's not meet the feebles, but what <laughs> <but it> is <laughs> another show that we could do an entire podcast yeah, on? No shit. Um, so so she gets to the labyrinth. She meets um, Hoggle. Uh, Hoggle. Hoggle. Yeah. Yep. Who she continues to call Hogwart. Yeah. Which I'm guessing is is where Harry Potter came from. Well, <laughs> yeah. Only makes sense. Um, this is the very moment that if you weren't sure before, that you become very sure that Jim Henson was not a nat- nat- natural director. Great puppeteer. Yeah. A- amazing, amazing creator of these these fantastical Worlds. creatures. Yeah, yeah. She's running through the initial labyrinth uh, mm. right after, right before, right after she meets she's, Hoggle. Yeah. And the cut scenes between her running and then looking backwards and running, it looks like they were filmed at three different times with three different lightings. And, well, and this was not a low budget. $25 million is a decent amount of money. So how do you and not edit that together then, yeah, correctly? Like, who edited it? Yeah, <laughs> IMDb then, right? That guy, hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> we, have a, we have a lot of hate mail to write yeah. after the show. Um, so, I, I, another thing, I, 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 David Bowie's hair. Yeah, so it is, it, he looks like a, a, a reject from like the Sandman comic book. Like, literally, like, I, I, it's, he was very stylistic. Or southern southern woman. But you gotta wonder if he just showed up like that. <laughs> like and they're like and like he was supposed to be completely like a goblin. Like, he's like no 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 no. This is what I'm wearing. And uh, he also his hair also somewhat reminded me of let's say late '80s early '90s southern fashion for women. I think it, it was an exaggerated version. Maybe if the you combine. Combine like the, the, the Katie theme. Lang with uh, with Tammy Faye Baker. I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> Tammy Faye Baker. Well, wow. it was just my long reach to get Tammy Faye Baker into this. Didn't know we were going to bring up Tammy Faye, <laughs> but now that we have, <laughs> uh, but it was it, it it didn't work for me. But you know, it, I say it didn't work for me, yet it did because that's David Bowie and Labyrinth. What do you think of it? You know what? And I also got to give props to the uh, the close-up shots they pulled off to pretend that he was the one ju- juggling that ball on his hand. You know, the, the hand stand-in model guy. Okay. Other thing, I have a note about the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I saw a couple shots where either was they was at a wrong angle. No, they did the right. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is either their special effects were better at some places than mm-hmm. I realized or – how many hours did David Bowie spend learning how to flip around a crystal ball? Right. Like he's, you know, it's almost like if you've ever seen a guy with a uh, a quarter go over his knuckles left so, and right, up and down. So any Val Kilmer movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's doing that, but he's doing it with these little crystal balls. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I love how the, the crystals sometimes they break when he throws them, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they throw it, they turn into snakes. Other mm-hmm. times they turn into memories. Uh, we never really understand why or how or what, but it, these crystals let's just gloss over that. 
children don't need to know things. The other thing I noticed, in, uh, and by, by the way, Dance Magic Dance, or whatever that song is, yeah. still one of the best parts of the movie. Stay with Bowie. Yeah, yeah. Um, he throws, he, at one point, when he comes to her the second time, um, and throws the crystal down um, a, a cave mm-hmm. um, to create some monsters. I forget what it was. Uh, as powerful as they make him in this movie, Bowie still throws like a girl. <laughs> I mean, it's the worst throw in motion. I can't imagine where that, if he actually threw the crystal, where it actually landed on the set. <laughs> so, like, the entire movie is just him trying to bang a little girl. Like, when you think about it. So, it's interesting you say that. When I was doing some research on the movie, like, when I Googled, I Googled Labyrinth. Or I might have Googled Jennifer Connelly Labyrinth. Yeah. And, like, the second result was, is, La- is Labyrinth an allegory for date rape? Yeah. Like, hey, I'm going to take this girl. I'm going to get her into my house. I need you to give her this peach and then leave it to me. Like, like, have a, here, have a sip, have a sip, have a sip, you know, kind of thing. You know, you, you remember college. And, <laughs> <laughs> you kept trying to do that to me. I know, weird. I know. You were, anyway, um, the, I, I, you know, it, it just felt weird because he wants to marry her. He wants to make her his consort or whatever he said. Hey, listen, there's know. definitely a creepy part to it. I, I do think the kind of um, gender neutrality of David Bowie actually helps there the androgynous alien yeah it kind of it kind of helps there like if it had been a bit more aggressively male goblin king like if it had been me (laughs) and a 15 year old girl hey you want a peach (laughs) come on in want to come to my castle (laughs) yeah it wouldn't have worked as well (laughs) want to see my monster (laughs) (laughs) i feel like you've done that before um the other other thing i wanted to point out towards the beginning they're, they're running through the labyrinth i don't remember if hoggle's with her yet or not Oh, yeah, she is, because um, he tells her what these things are. They're these large rocks with faces. They're called false alarms. And damned if they don't look exactly like the big rocks that shake and then try to smash you in Super Mario World. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about when you're in the dungeons? Yeah. And I, I mean, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're called false alarms. Um, also, the, a little bit later on, a big drill. Uh, going through that, that might have been when the Bowie, wall. Yeah, when yeah. Bowie threw the um, through the crystal. That's what came out. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. came out. Yeah. That big drill. When you see the little goblins working up and down on the pistons and the levers, tell me that's not the inspiration for whammies and pressure luck. <laughs> big money, big money, big no whammy. Big, big money, big money, big money. <laughs> Goblin King, stop. Wham. <laughs> 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 Okay, so, so so some other thoughts as, uh-huh. as we go. Uh, the the goblin that has that bird neck on top of his head. Um, as you do. <laughs> that head looks exactly like a chocobo from Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. If you've ever played Final Fantasy VII and you breed chocobos. Someone's breeding the shit out of some, <laughs> some wrong chocobos. <laughs> we could do a whole show on that. Um Earlier, I said Jim Henson obviously isn't a scientist or isn't a uh, director. Yeah, he obviously is a special effects genius. Absolutely, the whole thing with Bluto is that that character's name the the big dude the, uh, the big yeah, yes, yeah. yes 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 yes. I mean that to, to know that that was made in 1986 and that mm. big thing is lumbering around and looks halfway decent is mm-hmm. no, I mean everything else at the time that came out in movies looked like a, a showbiz pizza. Exactly. You know, and that didn't look like that. I mean, mm-hmm. it looked really, really good. 
And then knock, don't knock showbiz pizza band. <laughs> Uh, rock a fire explosion. I was a, a Chucky e. Cheese guy, man. Well, no one's All perfect. Right. Uh, so that that brings me to what I consider kind of the intermission of the movie. Okay. I, and I don't know what it was called, but the sort of fraggle rock looking red fire tribesman dance <laughs> that is obviously green screened. I mean, the most obvious green yeah. scene, green screen you've ever seen. And then, then they. Out of nowhere, after they sing, and they're singing, I can't, you can't really understand what they're saying, mm-hmm. but it's not any specific accent. Yeah. But then they start talking, and they've got that stereotypical, on, yeah, they, they've got that stereotypical 80s black guy voice. <laughs> like every, hey, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like every, every bad 80s movie where they're like, oh, let's throw in the token black guy. Hey, my man, what it look like? <laughs> Basically, what Eddie Murphy would yeah. do to make fun of that type of thing. Yeah. Every one of those things has, has yeah. that voice. And I, I mean, it's somewhat racist. I mean, it's just, I'm just going to say it. It is. It, it, yeah, that, that was a choice. That that was a, just, they're tribesmen. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that was a that choice. That was a choice. Yeah. Um, the, uh, we get past that point, and then all of a sudden, and I, the dog, uh, alopecia, or whatever yeah. the hell it's interesting. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe why that's he, a balding disease. Why is he so uh, spotty? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever his name was, that dog reappears out of fucking nowhere. It's like Optimus Prime's trailer. Where the fuck did that thing go? <laughs> the whole time it's been gone. Right? And, and, and it, I it's don't, called suspension of disbelief. Unless I missed something or was playing too much Pokemon Go on my phone. like <laughs> what, It's not like they gave us any kind of explanation. No. He just runs in the scene. Yeah, it's almost like oh, we forgot about him. Let's re- reinsert the, him the here. The prop master was like, uh, "The dog was in the trailer. Did we forget about that? Yeah, let him out. Don't worry about it." <laughs> yeah. So well, we so we get to the part in the movie where she eats the peach. The mm-hmm. Hoggle gives her the Hoggle, peach. Yeah. So her friend, who's been helping her to get through the maze, is told by the Goblin King Jareth. Right. That's how you say. Yes. Name? Yeah, Jareth. To give her this peach. And so it's kind of, he's put to the, you know, who do I have? Right. Who am I loyal to? Who am I loyal to? Turns out it's the Goblin King. David because, Bowie. Let's be honest. It's I'd, be, David Bowie. I'd drug you if David Bowie asked me to. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't blame you. Um, but it's, it's, it's so he doesn't have to be put in the eternal pit of stench or whatever it's called? The force of stench or? No, no, it's a pit. Yeah, the pit. Remember yeah, yeah. The, the thing looks like it has a bunch yeah. of assholes in it? Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so she eats the peach, and I swear this is the this is like if you wanted proof that this movie was just as much for stoners and drug heads mm-hmm. as it was for kids. She eats the peach; it zooms in on her eyes, and I kid you not, her pupils are so dilated yeah. they're like pins. And she forgets everything. And she forgets everything. All of a sudden, these dreams slash. Fantasy things come floating out of David Bowie uh, in the form of those little crystals, mm-hmm. and she gravitates towards one. And it's kind of a cut scene. It's like the missing scene from Eyes Wide Shut, only they're not <laughs> naked. They all have all these weird masks on, and they're dancing around. Yeah. Um, I was looking for Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. He um. was busy making Legend. Um, <laughs> she was in Australia somewhere. But it, and, and and yet another weird disconjointed, discombobulated scene that really didn't yeah. play into into much at all. Um, I, I 
the, one other thing, they always do these cutscenes to Bowie, which you know were filmed in a day. Did you notice that every, about every other scene, he's got a grin on his face when the scene opens? And the grin's like almost wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, guys, I'm in on this, too. I get it. <laughs> I'm not saying he wasn't into the role. Right. What I am saying is he understood what he was in. Yeah, right, right. Um, so we get to – we get – Closer to the climax, right? And um, as they get into the Goblin King's castle, uh, all of a sudden we know where that foreshadowing Here comes the M.C. Escher. Here is M.C. Escher, yeah. and it's it's literally... Which was, I will say, especially for the time, she's standing there, Bowie's talking to her, and he's doing like the little flips over onto the... the for anyone who's not familiar with M.C. Escher... Uh, his big painting was the one with the staircases that go up and down and sideways and yeah, no matter what, there's no of, gravity kind of Right, thing. lots of pencil drawings, all kind of bizarre, bizarro dimension type yes. stuff where things are upside down and right side up. And so if you haven't seen Labyrinth, they're in the room and there's staircases everywhere. If you haven't seen Labyrinth, I'd fast forward. Yeah, I just skip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen Labyrinth, you're probably doing okay in your life. <laughs> Let's be honest. You're probably okay. You know. Can, can I also make one one more observation about the goblins? No. As we, as we, no, you can't. Because before we got, I, I, I skipped over this. Before we got into the Goblin King's castle, mm-hmm. did you notice the goblins themselves? Are, it just doesn't take much to knock over a goblin. <laughs> I mean, they look at them funny and they fall over. Yeah. I mean, they're not exactly children. It's made for children. So they're supposed to think, oh, I can defeat a goblin too. Or there was really low budget. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Because a few times I noticed that like the spikes that they would brush against would wobble back and forth because yeah. they're made of foam. Yeah. So it's more like... It can't take much to knock them over because anything more will knock them over yeah, right, right. <laughs> and ruin the and ruin the prop. So anyway, um, we're 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 all of a sudden we're back in uh, in 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 the Goblin Cave. It's the climax. It's the denouement, and and you know she's battling sort of. It calls back to the scene we skipped over, which was in the beginning when she's in the park. Right. The reason she's so engrossed and she'd forgotten about her little brother. Is because she's trying to learn the lines to play the labyrinth. The labyrinth. So the the the, oh, the I'm sorry, la- labyrinth. Labyrinth. No article. No. <laughs> Prior to labyrinth is a play that she's trying to memorize lines for, and there's one line she keeps forgetting. And 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 to, and a huge fan of. There's a da- there's a there's a goblin king figurine in her room. Yeah, you yeah. know we, we we say that it was an M.C. Escher drawing. It probably was a drawing of the supposed goblin king's yeah. lair. You know, but it but we all know it's M.C. Escher. So she's trying to remember the line that she couldn't remember to defeat him. To defeat him. And before you get to that line, this the one other thing I needed to point out about this scene. Is while it was pronounced in all the scenes prior, in this costume change for David Bowie, he walked into that costume director's office and said, my codpiece needs to be the biggest thing you see in this scene. Because he's got a package on him. like damn well it should be. I mean, he's walking around knocking shit over. (laughs) Oh, oops, did I do that? I mean, it is large. What are they doing? Uh, That could actually be the title of our next podcast, David Bowie's Codpiece. Or our next weekend band. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Go so, ahead. I'm so, sorry. no. So she finally comes up with the line that 
that she had in the beginning of the movie couldn't remember. And that line is, you have no power over me. And when she says that, she realizes that David Bowie has no power over her. Here's your little brother. Long live happiness. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that movie wasn't well, everything I remembered it being. <laughs> it's what I, I guess I, I'm getting down to. I, I get you. I get you. What, uh, this, it's also the redeeming part of the movie um, where David Bowie is looking in on it the whole time yeah. as the owl. You realize that he she was made the friends owl. and and really he might have just been trying to teach her a lesson not to wish that your brother goes yeah. away. So she goes home, she's in her house, and then and her dad comes in and watching. Say, her dad comes in and says the most bizarre thing. Honey, are you home? <laughs> the clock just showed that it's midnight. Yeah. And you you threatened her within an inch of her life to babysit her little brother. So it's midnight, and she's supposed to be babysitting. And your first question is, honey, are you home? <laughs> You're not out drinking again, are you? <laughs> you sell, Toby. <laughs> you have no power You didn't get day-raped by David Bowie, did you? <laughs> the neighbors said they thought they saw David Bowie, so I rushed home. They think he's stardust here. <laughs> so, and then, of course... All her friends from the labyrinth show up, and yay! Yeah, and it's a big dance yeah. party with 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 streamers. There was weird streamers, streamers and fraggles. They make the party. I've said it for years. <laughs> you have said that for years. <laughs> so, the last thing I want to talk about before we get to actually does it stand? Let's talk Frank Oz. Frank Oz, as many of you might know, was the voice of Yoda. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> that was that was Brent's approximation of Yoda. He was also um, a voice in a puppeteer in Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. And, of course, all of the Muppets, everything. Yeah. I, I mean, if you look at his IMDb, it reads like a, a history of the Muppets. Yeah. You're down to Muppets video games. Uh, but Frank Oz is most well-known for, for Yoda. Yeah. And this is post-Yoda, probably in Yoda's heyday. What, what year did... What year did the third one come out? It was like 85 Okay, so all of you Star Wars nuts, you know, okay, be mad at us for not having the right year. But it was before Labyrinth. To the point where at the beginning of the movie, they say characters performed by, and they list off all the names. And the final one, it says, and Frank Oz. And every movie I've ever seen, whenever they do the and... That's the bigger name in the movie who's going to have a significant role. So I'm watching... What? 83. 83. Jedi came out in 83. Jedi, Jedi came out in 83. So what, like Empire was 80 and the original was 77 or something like that? Um, 77? Yeah, for the original? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, even if I'm wrong, whatever. Point being, Frank Oz gets this top star billing... When Hoggle starts talking, he sounds like Yoda, and I'm yeah. like, that's what Frank Oz is doing. Mm-hmm. He's the, you know, he, he's going to help the protagonist along the whole way. It makes perfect sense. He's, he's Yoda-ing, Yoda-ing again, you know? Yeah. So I get to the credits. I have to rewind the credits three times to find his effing name. Yeah. He is the puppeteer for the wise man. <laughs> He's not even the voice. <laughs> no he didn't voice an effing thing in this movie. So, but someone's like, "Hey, can I do the Frank Oz on this?" Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, did him and Jim Henson get into a fight? And they're like, "He's like, 
fuck you, you're you're the wise man puppeteer, and that's it. Yeah, right. You know, like I, <laughs> it makes no sense to me why you would have I in the world of voiceover and puppets a star yeah. the size of Frank Oz and not use him. I mean, it just, I don't know. I, I guess I could do research and figure it out, but <laughs> I, I've probably spent enough time on Labyrinth. So Brent, does it stand? It does not. And it turns out it didn't stand when it came out either because it flopped. Flopped horribly. Uh, yeah, I mean, but people liked it. And you know what? That 12.9 million or 12.7, depending on who you, where you read, out of 25 million, I'm sure they've made it up in, fuck, you've got a Labyrinth t-shirt. <laughs> I do have a Labyrinth t-shirt. You know, they, they've made that money back. It's, it's unfortunate that Jim Henson died way too young, and he didn't get to see that come to fruition. But it's another one of those movies that, that I loved. You go back and you watch it, and it just, you realize... It wasn't that great. David Bowie stole all the scenes he was in. Jennifer Connelly was young, you know, and you, you always think of it as Jennifer Connelly. She was eh, okay, you know. The puppete- the puppets were amazing. The sets were okay. Yeah, you know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go against you on this. You say does it stand? I say yes, and okay. for one reason, no, two reasons, and you named them both. And that's the special, not special effects, that's probably the wrong word. The puppets. Visuals of the puppets. I mean, there are computer graphics didn't exist. I mean, think about no, what, yeah. what, what the original Star Wars looked like before it was remastered, mm-hmm. you know. The, 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 to make these things look that lifelike, mm-hmm. um, maybe not all the time. There were some bad moments where you saw cables and things like that. But to make them look that, that lifelike, just with your free hand carving out these, these yeah. amazing creatures, that and David Bowie. I mean, just the voodoo you do. Uh, is it dance magic dance? Mm-hmm. Just that scene alone. I, I was I was taken back to when I was a kid, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? This is all right. I I, I think if you go into it thinking as a 35 year old, is this going to be my favorite movie I watched in the last few weeks? Maybe you're going to be disappointed. Maybe it, not. And that's even scary. And then, <laughs> what kind of movies have you been watching? Right. But I think you know. Overall, does it stand I, for me? It it does. It, it it's got enough in it where I enjoyed watching it. I, I, I a few times there were some weird moments where I'm like, okay, this needs to this dragging mm-hmm. a little bit. But overall, if I have to give it a yes or a no, because in, in this segment we're never going to do a maybe. Yeah, I'd say yes. I'm a no. All right. Moving on from our dissertation on labyrinth, we are going to talk. About what ruined our childhood? All right. Ruined our childhood. Ruined my childhood is, is going to be a segment where we talk about um, older TV movies, basically stuff that everyone else seems to have liked that we just, for one reason or another, hated. And Brent, I'm going to let you, we're, we're going to do this separately. Brent, I'm going to let yeah, you start. So I messed up on this one when we talked about it because I did not talk about a movie that ruined my childhood. I talked about a movie that everyone loved that I hate. That's that's what I'm sorry. Maybe yeah. I didn't explain it correctly. We, we had we had changed it this time to ruin my childhood. But I, you know, we had talked originally about something that you loved. I'm sorry, right. something that other people love that you hate. That you hate. Mine's Django Unchained. I fucking hate that movie. So you're a racist. Yes, that's it. That's it. Exactly. No. <laughs> so it's pure Tarantino. It bleeds Tarantino. But it just seems so unneeded. The story of the movie is what bothered me the most. 
It just seems unneeded. You got a guy who wants his wife back. Okay. His wife speaks German. You got a German guy who could just go up and say, hey, you got this woman in a sweatbox because you hate her. Let me buy her from you because I speak German. I'm German. <laughs> this would make my life a hell of a lot easier. Sure. Here. How much money? Oh, and I've seen him out because you guys are no one knows, but bounty hunters and you have tons of money. Take her. No one dies. No one gets murdered. Blah, 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 blah. But that's not a movie. So instead, there's this elaborate gist of they're going to be the prize fighters and and Django owns other slaves and so he's the most hated slave. I don't know. Just I lost myself in the movie of it just didn't feel like it needed to be. You know, I like the movie, but I will say with with a lot of Tarantino movies, story is not his number one. uh, It's character. Yeah, it's character. He builds beautiful characters. It's the story of Reservoir Dogs. Right? Yeah. They knock off a bank and everybody gets fucking killed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to cut your ear off the end. You know, kind of. I mean, like, the whole movie almost is like in real time. Like, there's not a lot to it. You know what I mean? You know? Um, not exactly, but you know what I mean. Like, I just felt like it was Samuel Jackson was amazing in it. Um, uh, Christoph Waltz was amazing in it, as he is in everything. Jamie Fox was was okay. I like Jamie Fox. I didn't need as much of his penis. <laughs> it's but, you know, look how tight these pants are. <laughs> so, um, and Kerry Washington is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The woman who played his wife. Um, so, I guess my favorite Django Unchained moment was actually in the movie Million Ways to Die in the West, because the cut scene in the middle of it is there's, like, the racist guy who runs the, uh, he's got a, a shooting gallery, and it's slaves, and, you know, you shoot the slaves as they run away, and Django comes up and guns him down, and so, you know, moment, that's my favorite Django Unchained, <laughs> I got more into the character in that four second and a million ways to die in the West is a crap movie anyway, but <laughs> I enjoyed I got I just didn't like Django Unchained. Like I I just the story bothered me so much that I, I couldn't enjoy the movie. Fair enough. The end, I guess, but yeah, you know. Alright, mine, um I another one that uh everyone loves. Everyone seems to love. Uh there's a sequel coming out. Uh, high, one of the highest grossing movies of all time. I can't fucking stand Avatar. Uh, I I I don't get it. I don't understand why people are so into it. These big blue things crawling around everywhere. <laughs> um, I'm a huge sci-fi guy. I and that's a, f- a fair thing to say. If it involves space or robots uh, or aliens or anything, I'm in. So what you're saying is you preferred it more when it was called Fern Gully. <laughs> And then the whole play on these nice creatures, and is it supposed to be an anecdote for something like in our world yeah. and, you know, it's social injustice? I don't know. I don't know if it is or it isn't, but I know it went on for a really long time. And people are so hyped, and he and Cameron's been saying we're making a sequel, it's coming out, and it's pushing it back, and people are still excited. I'm kind of with you on this one. Yeah. You know, it, it just took so much credit. 
Sigourney Weaver became one with the tree of life. What happened with the tree and they're melting? I don't... Stop it. Just stop. here and we're all with you and blah, 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 blah. And my legs don't work. (laughs) (laughs) I'd actually much rather talk about Sigourney Weaver. I just read that she's petitioning to be in the next... uh, uh, movie in the Alien, Alien franchise. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'll talk about that all day. But Avatar, the story didn't make much sense to me. Yeah. I didn't think the, the the special effects were near as as good as people. I mean, they won Oscars for that shit. I, think. I, I enjoy. I thought visually, I thought it looked good. It was another one. It, it had a story. I felt like it was a modern day. It was Fern Gully in space. I swear to God, I felt like that. Like like you got the guy who falls for the native, and so he's. Not going to tear down the trees, you know, and he's going to help you out. But really, no, fuck you. He's against you and he was playing you. Just kidding. I fell in love with the natives. Get out of here. Like, it's been told. They just did it flashier for a lot more money. Uh, but what you just said, that's a story to you? That's an well, say. I mean, that's, I don't know. Because they relied on visuals too much. Right, I agree. Yeah, completely. It was, spe- it was a special effects movie, mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's not always James Cameron thing. I mean, while it was a special effects movie, T two was an amazing flick, mm-hmm. you know. But overall, Avatar, not my bag. It ruined it. Not, not my, my childhood. bag, baby. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. We're we're getting close to the end here, um, but we do want to talk. Uh, we've we've referenced numerous throughout the show. If you can't tell. We're both kind of into video games. 35 and 36-year-old men into video games. Who the funk it? Yeah, right? Um, we're going to call this segment Blowing in the Cartridge. What we're going to do each week is talk about a game that came from back in the day. Uh, back in the day doesn't have to be the 80s. Uh, it can be the 90s, the 2000s, or even a few years ago, but just not something that just, just came out. Um, and, however, for this one, we are going back in the day uh, to the 80s. The original Nintendo Entertainment System. 1987 was the year. 1987. There's a, there was a there's a new type of game on the Nintendo Entertainment System called an RPG. They had been popular in Japan, and they're actually which been, stands for rocket propelled grenade. Unless you didn't know. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think a precursor was Dragon Warrior. I would say uh, yeah. Would that came before it didn't it? Anyway. The beginning of a franchise that that everyone still loves today, Final Fantasy. Which, oddly enough, was not expected to be a beginning of a franchise at all. Uh, So I didn't know this until I was reading uh, Square... Who's now Square Enix? Square Enix, yeah. Or Squaresoft for their their software. Um, They were facing bankruptcy. Really? So Final Fantasy was their last game that they were going to produce. It was their final. And I don't fantasy. know if that's what I'm saying. I don't know if the name was like a play on that. <laughs> right, or right, what. right. And it saved their company. Wow. Yeah. So Final Fantasy, the fuck kind of name is that? Because how many of them do we have? Like, <laughs> the never ending. <laughs> the fantasy. next one is the next one is 15, but that's in no way representative of how many games there have been. But you know what? I was looking, and uh, the same guy who made the first one has written the stories for almost all of them. Really? I, yeah, uh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, uh, I don't remember his name. Japanese guy. Um, yeah, I don't, I anyway. don't pronounce it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, – I, I just read an article about the about 15 and about how it's going to be a return to form, how they've lost their way. Oh, really? Um yeah, I mean, I think everybody who's a fan of the franchise kind of thought it, it peaked at number seven on 
uh, Final Fantasy VII on PlayStation. 97. You and I it, played the shit out of it in college. We certainly did. Yeah. We bred a lot of chocobos. <laughs> uh, Cloud was the, was the hero and, uh, there was, uh, it was just, it was a ton of fun, but it started with number one. And Piranobu that's the game. Sakaguchi? Oh, say that three times fast. Exactly. That's the, that was the creator. All right. So it starts with number one. It opens with this. Now you say that the creator and, and the guy who's done the story has done it the whole time. I wouldn't exactly say that I've been a big fan of the Final Fantasy franchises based on the story. Aren't they always so large and contrived? And I mean, even in the first one, there's these four warriors of light, um, and they have four different orbs. And there's been various things that have happened in various lands that have done bad they things. Dimmed their orbs. They're, right. And, <laughs> and yet somehow waking up this prince or doing this thing or going mm-hmm. to help restore the orbs. It, to me, it's, it, you know, story has never been the strong suit. But no. even going back to number one, I mean, no. play, so, playability was awesome. The, this whole game, it had great and bad things. It was a very contrived game. What was the first quest? Go save the princess. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Literally, the first thing is go save the princess. When you get to the town and you're looking at Right, around, right, right. You know, so, but it was a first, like, as a kid, I didn't get it. And I didn't appreciate it. I think I was too young to know of, like, all the aspects of it because it was too much of a grind. Now I appreciate that because the game's a grind. I'm really glad you used that word. All right. I was going to, I was going to comment on that. A game I play a lot nowadays, uh, whatever call of duty game is out at that time. Mm-hmm. Right now it's black ops three. Um, and, and you know, that's the, that's the nomenclature. You got to grind it out. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to upgrade your weapons and get it a higher level, you go in and you just play XP over and, gold, and over. XP and gold. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, this game felt to me like you ever see the South Park where they're making fun of World Warcraft. Yeah, and they're like, we just go out in the in the woods and stab pigs, and like it's kind <laughs> of like that. Like there's quests, and you go into dungeons, and you're trying to find gold, right. and, and you know you go to that one town in the game, and the pirates have taken over. So you right, fight, right. The pirates. fight the pirates for the ship, but which ship's fun? But for the most part, you're just Walking around trying to get that XP, trying to so kill imps and wolves, cure spells and fire spells, and, and and a bunch of other spells that you have no idea what those four letters mean. Exactly, lamp. What the fuck is lamp? Light our darkest and, hour, and and, and oh, it won't tell you. No, no. <laughs> and, and, I mean, online you can. No, uh, well, of course, we're, online. We're living but, in the in the good age. Nineteen eighty-six. Yeah. Now, was the original Final Fantasy? It wasn't in the Nintendo Player's Guide. No, and if I would have called that cheat line, my parents would have beat my ass. <laughs> One nine hundred. <laughs> this costs a lot. Mix a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you just, I, I don't even remember how I figured out. What, well, I guess Nintendo Power probably you just grind and grind, and you got that one friend who's got an older brother, and they heard it from something. I remember we used to. <laughs> we used to Hand around like notebooks written down like game cheats and shit like that. Yeah, you know? that's true. You know, so the game, getting back to it, it's open world. It's got a very, if you're, you're top down almost like original Zelda, but you're much more engrossed. Like you're and not a lot less grinding than the original Zelda. Zelda. Because you, yeah, you're not looking for hearts constantly. The grinding no, of this no, is no Zelda had less grinding. I say, I mean, you you need rupees yeah. here and there, but it it. I mean, in this you you 
And you're not fighting one bad guy. You might be. You might be fighting nine bad guys. Mm -hmm. And let's say you're out and you're trying to do a quest and your guy dies. So you've got your four warriors. We should talk about those. So you've got the thief. You can choose. Choose, Choose between these. Fighter. Fighter. Black belt. Thief. Red mage. White mage. Black mage. Yep. I believe those are all. I think so. I chose this time. Uh, warrior, fighter, black belt, white mage, and black mage. That's what I went with. I did the exact same thing, except for instead of a white mage, I did a red. Okay. I and a red, and if you, a red mage is uh, can use some of the white mage, some of the white magic, some of the, healing, some of the black magic, some of the damage, and also is a better weapons fighter yes. than than the others. Whereas your white mage has a wooden mallet, is what he's. And your black use. mage looks like Orko from He Man. Yeah. But with a red or a green tabard, right? And a black, but a black face. Looks like Orko. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you pick your guys, and I guess you can go, and I'm sure that there's better, you know, groups than that. And you just go out and start running. But what sucks is your white mage or someone dies, and you're like, oh crap, I gotta get back to the town. Cause the town has an inn. Right. It has a clinic. They're all the same. You can, you can, you buy your, your potions, potions. to heal yourself. You can buy spells. To teach your mages, you can buy armor in a in a city. You can buy weapons, um, weapons in a city. So one of your guys die, and you got to get back to the city. And I'll be damned if that isn't the time that you have nine thousand fights just trying to get back to where you're going. And, and it's just, not just a couple imps. Yeah, when you have when that happens, that's when four ogres and a red ogre ogre yeah. hit you. And pretty soon you realize you're like 12 hours in and your wife's contemplating divorce. <laughs> like literally, like it is not a game. Like, and you haven't made it to yeah. the sand marsh yet, yeah. uh, whatever it's called, the marsh cave. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, and you're absolutely right about about that. They, it's a very sudden game. Is the word I would use. Yeah. Um, you don't see the 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 fights. You're just walking around and boo. You're you're pulled yeah, in. Yeah. You know. And and what I mean by sudden is you build up, you build up, you build up to the point where the area you're in, you dominate every fight. And yes. no one ever gets killed. You don't even need to heal people. Mm-hmm. The moment you st- step into the next area, it's not like even if you've built yourself up enough that you can maybe fake your way through it. Nope, you're, you're. It's all start over. All start over grind, again. Grind, grind. I, I, and then you, um, you think you've got enough gold to do what you want to do, but then you realize that oh, I need to buy this spell, and oh, I better buy a tent or a cabin so I can rejuvenate on my way to uh, to defeating this next guy. And it's just such a process. And it to me is the original grind game. I mean, it really mm-hmm. is. I, I I can't think of any other that was. It's it's a progressive game, but it, it's it's so you got to build up so much that you spend so much time grinding. Um, uh, one other uh, a note about it: uh, uh, the the characters, the 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 things you fight, yeah, the names slash the bones is <laughs> like the skeletons, right? Um, shark is a shark. Is a shark. Who would have uh, thought? Mad pony. It looks kind of <laughs> like a. Uh, it looks kind of like a unicorn. Yeah. Um, okay, one, a guana. The yeah. guana yeah. looks 
any like anything yeah. other than an iguana. I don't know where. I don't even know what it's supposed to be. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't really know either. But it certainly doesn't look like an iguana. <laughs> um, the the one thing that annoys me about the game, and this is probably the only thing that annoys me about the game, uh, when you when your guys gets poisoned, which happens way too much oh, yes. with the easier um, mm-hmm. enemies, like the little arachnids that take one hit to kill. Yep. Why are they poisoning my fighter that's got two hundred HP? Yeah, okay, but they do. When you walk after your guy's been poisoned. The sound it makes <laughs> is the most annoying, like a repetitive, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, high, high pitched, uh, kind of like um, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> Final Fantasy when you get poisoned and walk, that's the most annoying sound in the world. It's like in, it's like in, in Zelda when you're down to one heart. In the, was it the second one? You know, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. horrible noise. Yeah, it's like come on. Uh, and you know, one so, thing, a, a real a last thing I have. An innovation on this game that I, I didn't remember seeing before this that I, th- I thought was awesome was that you could pick the speed of the text and the script and everything that happens yeah. uh, so at that the start menu. So that you're not spending days and days reading through because everyone just tapping by. You're just tapping A over and over and over again. Like, because on. you need to talk to people. Right. But if you're waiting for them, and a lot of them are just like, find the princess. Where'd our princess go? Or whatever. You right. know, I'm a pirate. But some of them have things they need to tell you, you know. You know, it, it, you can't skip. Like, the first one, you got to find the princess so you can open the bridge. And then you got to right, get the right. pirates and get the ship. But those are things I like because it... You have you have to do A to get to B to B to get to C. That's fun. Right, right, right. It had things like I said. I, I didn't mean to compare it to Zelda earlier, but I just meant like the the look, the over top down angle. Yeah, top yeah. But you've got um, you got your ship, airships, canoes, bridges. You know, all that stuff is fun. The story's generic. The fights are repetitive, but it the story, even though generic, kept me entertained. And what made me want to progress. And because you see yourself gaining this XP and things like that, questing, I don't even know what questing was. Right, you know, right, right. This is the first, you know, game you ever, that I knew of like that. Uh, it was just fun, you know? It, that's the thing, man. With a, 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 a lackluster, unfollowable story, with the names of characters that you can't pronounce and don't remember scene a to scene. soundtrack, you know? Uh, I, with... With the terrible graphics, I mean, even for a Nintendo game, it's not the graphics were that great. Uh, with all of that, all of that being said, I still had fun sitting down and playing it. Yeah, you know, this many years later, thirty years later. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Side note: I was playing it in an emulator, um, and every twenty-five, thirty minutes of playing, all of a sudden the emulator would freak out. And it would speed my script speed up and my just the whole speed of the game up so much that oh, really? uh, my the character would just dart across the screen <laughs> if I barely touched anything. And like so if I'm in the middle of a fight, I all I could hit was fight the first guy, fight the first guy. Because anytime I'd hit down, it would just scroll through Let's everything. Get the get ROM's bad or yeah, something. Yeah, the ROM something up with the ROM. <laughs> but uh the complete side note. But overall, yeah, I, I love Final Fantasy and it's what got me started into RPGs. Well, look, so. like, you know, absolutely and when we were in college, we played the shit out of Final Fantasy VII. You know, um, that's the one that, I, if I look them back now, you know, we played this. If I look back on Final Fantasy, that's one of my favorite. Like, I think about it like yeah. seven was, 
an amazing game. Seven was you an know? absolutely amazing. But I probably wouldn't have cared about it as much if I hadn't played these as kids. So yeah. Couldn't agree more. I great, still enjoyed it. Great it's, start to a it's series. It's not a, hey, honey, you want to go play a game with me? It's a, you know, your wife's not home for the weekend and you order pizza and sit down. Oh, last time I was playing, my wife hours. was home and she sat in the room for an hour on her phone. And she said, so you're doing all the stuff. Are you ever going to fight? I said, I've been fighting the whole time. Because <laughs> she didn't know what fighting looked like. Right, what fighting looks yes. like on, a, on, a, on an old school RPG. <laughs> but you're not actually yeah. fighting anything. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm telling it what to fight. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Um, all right, so a home stretch here. Uh, each week we are going to do a rant. Um, and this week we're going to start with Brent. Yeah, so we decided to talk about, like, every week we're going to talk about something that's pissing us off or be it a person, a thing. And I picked this week Facebook. So my rant is Facebook is really pissing me off lately. To me, uh, it's like a drug. I keep coming back to it. People post the most vile, evil shit <laughs> you could ever think of on Facebook. It's like, you ever be in line for a water fountain? You would never in your life dream of walking up and getting in front of someone else. But for some reason, when you're in line to go down a road in cars, people fucking pass you and cut you off because <laughs> you're not face to face with those people. Right. Like you're not, you don't have to look at that person and go, yeah, I'm a fucking asshole. On Facebook, people seem to forget that you can and they still do. Right. And they forget that like, I know you motherfucker. Like maybe you're my uncle and maybe we had class together in the eighth grade, but I still know you. Wait, you had class together with your uncle? You never know. My family, <laughs> you know. So it's you like, are from Pleasant Place. Yeah. It feels like posting anything on there meaningful or of filled with words is like an exercise in futility. People don't give a shit. It, it seems like it brings out the worst in people, I guess, is my biggest issue with Facebook. Like, be it politics, be it religion, be it, you know, if you want to have a baby, you don't want to have a baby, you're going to so-and-so's concert. The first thing is, fuck you, idiot, or this and that. And I just, I guess for me, it's so taxing. Because I don't use Facebook as that. I use a Facebook for dick and fart jokes and, and, and setting up events for people to get together. <laughs> you know, and, and I really like, I, I don't express political views. I don't express religious views. I read the shit out of them and I judge people because I really enjoy judging people. I guess that's kind of my pastime and goddamn, it lets you get it in. You know, it, it's, I guess, but you, you keep know, it to yourself. You're not vocal. <laughs> exactly. My wife here as well. You know, like I said, political uh, posts this week: anti-vaxxers, vaxxers, racism, guns, weed. Everyone's an expert, and no one seems willing to have a civil conversation when speaking. You know, back and forth on agenda. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. How hard is it? I'm not going to look you in the eye and be like, you're a fucking idiot. Well, you, but on you, have, Facebook, you have done that. It's but, true. But for most people, you wouldn't. But it's a lot easier to send a meme. Or, God forbid, I stump you on something, but I misspelled a word. <laughs> <laughs> it invalidates everything I said. I'm sorry, Your Honor, but uh, you stuttered when you said guilty, so I walk. It doesn't work that way. Life doesn't fucking work that way. So Unless you use the wrong there. Then it does work that way. <laughs> it's Go like on. a bomb blew up, and the only thing it killed is common sense. <laughs> and then everyone went online to talk about it. <laughs> so I guess I'm saying, like, fuck everyone. I hate Facebook, but I'm going to go home. I'm going to get on Facebook. 
tomorrow I'm gonna get on Facebook, you know, make fun of everyone else, but not in the, you know, I, I'm just saying I fucking hate it. And it's a window into society right now. I feel like we're living in a time where that is what everyone is filled with is hate. And you get to see it on a day-to-day basis by people that you would never even talk to 15 years ago because it didn't exist. I, man, I agree. I, uh, that's why I unfollow person after person. All the time. I don't, I don't I, want you to know I don't want to be like, your friend. Right, exactly. But I'm just going to unfollow you. I'm going to unmute. But every once in a while, I'm going to check in just so I can get pissed off. <laughs> you know what? I haven't been pissed off today. I'm going to go see what, you know, Joe oh, Schmoke has to face that cocksucker. <laughs> like, it never fails. And it's always the first post. Like, you know why I hate insert, you know, race and or Cree here. Like, come on. That asshole wants to abort babies with guns and vaccinations. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, um, I agree with you on Facebook. The, the, the thing I'll say is when it comes to it's actually explainable uh, from a scientific perspective, uh, and I'm not the guy. I was to, told there'd I'm, be no science. In this I, I'm not the guy to do that. <laughs> when you get into a contentious debate, when you start to get angry, there's a part of your brain that turns on, mm-hmm. and there's a part of your brain that's inaccessible. It's like the fight or flight, but you can't run away. So you, yeah, no, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, the, the, and the part of your brain that's inaccessible is kind of like listening, reason, common sense. Your caveman instincts kick in, right? Right. It, they sometimes they refer to it as the lizard brain, the monkey brain. The lizard and, brain and, is yeah, yeah. Um, and at that point, no matter what, forget which part of your brain is active or not active. The person that you are arguing with, guess what part of their brain's active? Yeah. And so you make the best point in the whole world. Uh, and I've been guilty of this. I think everyone has. You make the best point in the whole world. And I mean, you just bullet point by bullet point of why they're an idiot and why you were right. Yeah. And, you know, you get back at you. Fuck you. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, but you're gay. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Like, right, right, right. Is that an insult? Like, is that bad? No, fuck like, you. It's like we're watching the RNC again. Uh, <laughs> the, but seriously, they, I, that, that part of their brain shuts down. Yeah. And so even if you wanted to have a, a good and, and lively and spirited debate, if they're not entering into it from the right place, it's never going to work. It just makes it easier to do it when you're not face to face. And everyone, and then you always have that one person, come on. Just talk. It's like, no, this is not like, I'm not that person because I'm not in there getting into debates, you know, but fuck it. I guess that's my end of my So, I, what you're saying then is that political, religious, uh, and social diatribe is the new Farmville. Yes. <laughs> I don't hate Facebook. I just hate people. <laughs> I think is what it boils down to. Like, I think I'd like Facebook if there was no friends on there and it was just events that I could go to and I could click on. <laughs> that sounds fun. And memes. Well, and don't memes. forget news because that's where we all get our news. That nowadays. is true. That is true. It's, it's the number and one news um, don't, don't research anything. Just post it. It's a lot more fun. I don't want facts. I just, I just want you, you heard this, so it's got to be a fact. So I'm going to post it. You're going to have 15 people talking about it. And no, you're, no, it's a lie. Snopes. Well, Snopes is funded by the prayers and Come on. Everything's a conspiracy theory. Yeah. All right. Along with your hate, uh, for Facebook, we each week are going to do our, our final segment of the show. The awfulest person ever this week. This week. Uh, a nod to a, nod to a, a great sports center host and, 
And interesting talk show host Keith Olbermann, who did the worst person ever. <laughs> uh, mine um, is 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 an obvious one, and uh, you know, producer Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> She's asleep. Don't wake her up. <laughs> Entering into hour six, it's like we didn't bring. In, it's like Oregon Trail. We didn't bring enough supplies with us. Yeah, and I got dysentery. Hang on. <laughs> That's normal. Why would you bring six bankers? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my my awfulest person ever this week is Donald Trump. Hey! And, the Dawn Father. Um, I, I, it's not... Uh, listen. Republican, Democrat, what you believe, what you don't believe. I, I It's inconsequential to me. I'm not... I have my views, and it, uh, far be it for me to try to extol my views on you. But here we go. But (laughs) the stuff that this asshole says, um, I I just, I, how he gets away with it and how people continue to support him is, is, is wild to me that, you know, he's, he's talked about how Mexican immigrants, immigrants that come to this country bring drugs and rape people. He's talked about how he doesn't want any Muslims coming into the country because they're all terrorists. He's talked about women and referred to them as young and beautiful pieces of ass. He's also talked about women and referred to them as dogs and uh, and fat uh, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, her fat, ugly face. Uh, you know, I mean, he he's been uh, just a disgrace uh, to the American political system, and that's tough to do. We've had plenty of disgraces, <laughs> but then this week he gets on and he's he's doing a he's doing a. Um, a press conference and he's talking about Hillary and, and, and the DNC and he calls on Vladimir Putin oh, and yeah. the Russians to go ahead and hack the DNC, the, 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 the Democrats again, <laughs> assuming that they did it the first time to find Hillary's 300 missing emails. He encouraged espionage yep. on a national platform. I don't true. give a fuck what he thinks about this political thing or that political thing. The guy is just an asshole, and he is my awfulest person ever this He's week. either a complete asshole or comedic genius. Like, it's at the end of this all, he's going to pull it, pull his, like, his mask off Scooby his Scooby-Doo style. McDonald. Oh, <laughs> oh gotcha. <laughs> I heard I heard this crazy, crazy, crazy right wing conspiracy theorist um, that was talking about how he knew for a fact that Trump was running and saying all this audacious shit to eventually make Hillary the new president. So it, it, he's actually a Democrat the whole time. I, I don't believe at that. the end they do their secret handshake and high five. So then, so then we argued about it on Facebook. <laughs> Fuck you, Uncle Larry. <laughs> <laughs> so my awfulest person this week, Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger's in the news. Did you know Mick Jagger's in the news? I didn't know Mick Jagger was still alive. Mick Jagger is 73 years old. Mick Jagger's wife is 29 years old. Hey, nothing wrong with that. She's fucking pregnant. They're having a kid. So the day she's going to be. So the swimmers are working. Yeah. Well, that I'll talk about the swimmers in a minute. Oh, boy. This cocksucker knocks up this woman well, if you at do- 73. Not a lot of cocksucking. 
<laughs> not obviously. That means he's going to be <laughs> 90. If he's alive, he's going to be 91 years old when his kid graduates high school. I have no problem with an age gap difference. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with guys going after older women. There's nothing wrong with women going after older guys. If I'm 73 and I'm single and my wife, let's pretend she's dead because we're not divorced. You know, if Wait, I, is that what that diagram you have in front of you yeah, is? It's uh, how to kill Lisa. Um, <laughs> if I could figure, you know, if I if I could if like I, the diagram in, in Jane Silent Bob. Uh, no, no, in Mallrats. Mallrats. Or Jane Silent Bob. The stage is rubble. So there have been documented cases where they've looked into the older you are and you father children, the higher cases, chances you have autism. Uh, uh, what was it? They go up 30% after you're over the age of 45 if you're a father. That's kind of crazy. Far be it for me to tell someone, and if this happened, it was an accident, I'm not telling them, hey, you know, go abort this baby or anything like that. I just, to me, think it seems a little bit fucked up if I'm that baby to have two things I'm going to know about. A, I'll probably never know my father. B, I'm going to live in my father's shadow forever. And C, uh, no matter what, people are always going to look down on him probably for being, nah, I don't want to say that. I'll just go back to, he's not going to know his father. Maybe he will. But if he is 91 years old. He's not playing catch with him. Exactly. (laughs) I actually, literally, I was making notes here. And I'm like, hey, Dad, you want to go play catch? No, I'm sorry. I broke my hip last time. Like, Can you catch my colostomy bag? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So when you really, how old are you when you start getting memories that you're going to remember? Six, seven years old, you know? Like, that you're going to remember? What is he, 78, 79, 80 years old? Maybe that's something I shouldn't be pissed about, but I just read that and I was like, really, Mick? Really? That's my well, this asshole. Is, this is this is your time to talk about whoever the awfulest person is to yeah. you, and nobody has to agree but you. One nice thing is, though, they probably can save money buying baby food in bulk. <laughs> and diapers. Yeah, like, they both are probably in that stage, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah. Listen, if they've kept Keith Richards alive this long, that I'm motherfucker sure he- is half cockroach. Like, <laughs> there is nothing. Like him and Cher made a pact with the devil in 1862. <laughs> so they're vampires. Yeah. 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 That's the yeah. way that works. Cockroach or a vampire. And and uh Mick Jagger is just gonna do that, you know, that Chucky transfer of soul into another body. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Give me the power. There's so many movies that you could have referenced there to transfer a consciousness from one body to another. Yeah, you're right. And you went Chucky. I should have uh, went with that uh, that Fred Savage vehicle from the 80s. What was that? Uh, vice versa. <laughs> Fred, nothing, a, let's make big with, with, with Fred Savage. And, and, and Judd Reinhold, right? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 there was like four of those movies that came out after Big that were the were exact the same, same plot. You know, I, if if Judge, it is Judge Reinhold, right? I yeah. think I don't. Know. Judd Reinhold, Judge Reinhold, I don't know. He masturbated in a pirate outfit and in, in, uh, <laughs> fast times are that's, that's my. Which brings us full circle to if this is your time, Mister Hand, <laughs> and this is my time, Mister Hand. <laughs> wouldn't if that, you're here and I'm here, doesn't that make it our time? time? Yeah. On that note, this has been our time. Thank you, Mr. Hand. and uh, Thank you, Mr. Goforth. 
we'll see you all next time when we actually yeah. release it. Catch you on the flip side. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. We'll be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc